as much as the metaverse exists and all the stuff that we're doing in there, I still live in the physical world. I still want to do shit in the physical world. I still want to go outside, toss the baseball with my dog. I still want to smell and see grass, you know? So it's like, it's interesting though, because you could also compare that to like realistically anything like the nuclear bomb. If you had all it takes is one wrong scientist to, you know, yeah, shut um, to get it in the wrong hands and do something horrible with. So it's like, at the end of the day, as scary as it is, you're investing in the people to hopefully do right with the new technology that's getting spun out. What's cooking, everybody? If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video, and as always, if you have a second, would love to see you drop a comment down in the video comment section as well. To everyone who has been sharing the links to these episodes, I say it every week, but I will keep saying it because it's enormous. Thank you. That is the best thing we can do. It's word of mouth to spread the news of the show, and I really, really appreciate all of you, so let's keep that rolling. To everyone who is listening on Apple and Spotify right now, Thank you for checking out the show there. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the follow button on either one of those platforms and leave a five-star review if you have a second. And I look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes. Now, I am joined in the bunker today by my very good friend, Mr. Gio Gusson. Gio is a guy who's on this podcast very early on. I think it was number 34. And we filmed that at the very end of January 2021. And there was about 10 minutes in there where he talked about something he had been looking at heavily for the past few months called NFTs. And what do you know? That craze was really starting right around then. And here we are 15 months later. And now Gio, along with Wahid Zai, is the co-founder of one of the biggest NFT projects in the world, the Smilesverse. So if you haven't heard of Smilesverse, you're going to hear about that today. You're going to hear about some of the story of how it happened, all the things Gio can talk about with it, if you know what I mean. And it was just, look, for me, sitting here with a very good friend and watching him do this over the past 15 months and then getting to track it on this podcast, it doesn't get any better than that. So I love doing this. I also really, really appreciate Gio doing this because... He had literally just gotten off a flight. He had been flying around for like the past three, four weeks. He was exhausted, had to go out of town again, and we had to get this in right before he did. So he made it work, wasn't even in a talking mood, and did a really good job. So really, really enjoyed the episode. Really appreciate my homie coming through to make sure we got this done. And I hope you guys enjoy hearing all about Smiles Verse and what happened. So that said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trend Fire. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the nuance? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. Anything that like stood out? Is the world ending from like? Some sort of android that people are creating and going to unleash on the human race? Like, what's the story? Honestly, I didn't really go to the events. I just went to all the NFT stuff. Hmm. Thank you, sir. Not bad. Who was down there with the NFTs? Cool Cats did something with, like, a pizza shop, and then they had a couple other day things, I believe. Doodles had, like, an insane thing going on. It was, like, a whole... They branded, like, a whole building. Honestly, I didn't go to it, but it was... The videos looked dope. Like inside, they had a lot of cool activations. Did something with Shopify, but it was cool. So was that like digital, physical world type deal? Where you bought? Cheers, cheers, my brother. Thanks for coming in, brother. 
Was that like digital physical world stuff? Where you buy something digitally, but you're there at the event? Oh, this one's good. Right? Oh, yeah. Chris Jessopini brought that. Yeah, that Phenomenal. That one's good. Phenomenal. Uh, it was a lot of physical, digital stuff. For us, we leaned into the physical. Obviously, we showcased like our NFTs and stuff like that. But for the most part, it was our first time like connecting with the communities because it was our first IRL event. IRL in real life. In real life, we, we got to speak to everyone here. You yes. know what I mean? Yes, I know. Yes, yes. I know a couple of the lingo words, but we got to got to keep it real for everyone who has no idea. But you know, it's interesting having you in here because you and I are really tight, and we got tight after meeting through this podcast, which was really cool. But that was, I think we filmed that like 10 days before we dropped it. So it was like the very mm. end of January. I remember the Robin Hood shit was going down. And where you were, you were you were still on the venture capital side. But there was a good maybe 10 minutes in there where you started really talking about NFTs. <laughs> and this is like when NFTs That's were so still funny. not like... That was really February 2021 yeah. when people start talking about it a lot. But you were all over this a few months before, and you're like, yo, this is the shit to invest in, not just like on an individual basis, but like this is how brands are going to basically like interact with their with their customers in the future. And so Cole Canelli had been in here a couple weeks, maybe like a month before you. He had said something. He's obviously deep into it. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is this is some crazy shit. Like, let's look at this. And then, boom, here we go. So now we are... What, like 15 months later, 14 months later, something like that, and, and you are, in a very short time, that feels like a long time, you are the co-founder of, let's call it what it is, one of the biggest NFT projects in the world. Legit shit. It's been a wild ride. It's, it's been 14, a nuts ride. 14, 15 months, bro? I know. That is crazy. I know. It feels like three months. In a way, it does, but in another way, it also feels like a lifetime. Years. <laughs> like, it flew by, but yep. think about all the shit... Like, I'm not even talking from my end. I'm talking, like, yeah. on you right now. Like, think about all the shit you've done, especially since – we'll get into that, like, how that all happened. But, like, since finding why he didn't connect with him in March. That was, like, March 15th or something. So, like, a year. That's fucking crazy. Look at this it's shit It's been a now. roller coaster. Yeah? An extreme roller coaster. <laughs> but an exciting one. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, like – I think the big takeaway I had from that conversation where I was listening to it back editing that we had was like we're, we were in different lanes and so to speak, but oh, yeah. we were both, we had been knocking on the door for a long time and wanted to burst that fucking thing down. And now you have. So we're just getting started. Exactly. Just so let's, started. let's start from the beginning here. Yep. I, I want to tell this story and I want you to tell this story. Excuse me. But Wahid Zai, how'd you find him? My brother. You were involved in that process in the beginning. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, you can bring it right in. You were involved in that process in the beginning. So it all started on this little old app, which I think last episode we talked in <laughs> nausea about. R.I.P. Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was just bouncing around all these rooms. This clubhouse was so interesting. Totally different world. I'm not used to voice. I did like Instagram stories a little bit a while back, but like honestly wasn't me took me down a little rabbit hole i didn't want to go down so i stopped doing them so i wasn't really used to like voice and we were just doing twitter instagram the normal stuff so we hopped on clubhouse and it was just so interesting because each room was so different and you were just meeting so many different people like what kind of rooms were you going into i mean me at the time it was always like startup rooms venture capital rooms that type of stuff always trying to wedge in uh, something else in there too 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Clubhouse is dead, right? Clubhouse is dead. Yeah, it's dead. Clubhouse it's dead. is dead. You, you can right. talk about that it's, shit now. No. <laughs> so, sometimes I'd be going in, like I'd be like hopping in to see if there's like any cool rooms going on at like one a.m. and there's one room like five chances to fuck me. And Gio's in there. <laughs> no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. All the people that we were joining Clubhouse rooms. Listen, I gotta defend myself here for the people. All these rooms we were hopping in in Clubhouse. Every other person that I was with nightly <laughs> hopped in these rooms. And I'm gonna put I'm not gonna put this kid on blast. One of our mutual friends who used to tag along as well. Oh, shout out to the kid. <laughs> but uh yeah, full circle here. A lot of startup rooms, uh, a lot of venture capital rooms, and then I started seeing these NFT rooms. Like what the hell's going on? Uh and then kind of around the NFT rooms was always art rooms. So I saw Wahid in some of these rooms that I was going into. Like like artists who were creating. Yeah, artists yeah. who were creating. Yeah. Um, and I saw Wahid in one of these rooms, and then we stumbled upon his Instagram page. And then I started talking to him a little bit and asked if he wanted to join a clubhouse room that I was doing. And I leaned into you because the podcasting is your world. I'm not a good uh, interviewer at the end of the day. So brought you in, and then we ended up hosting that uh, that room with him. You're better than you think. You just think about it too much when you have to do it. I do. I do. But I like that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but we started doing that, and we had an amazing room. Checked out his work. But, like, the beautiful part of it was he's a, he was a really young kid at the time. What, what was it? He was 20, 21? Yeah, maybe 19. Yeah, I think he was 20. Yeah, yeah. probably 20 or 21. He's only a year older now. Like, let's add yeah, that in true, there. True, but true, still. true. Uh, but he was just, like, very wise for his age, which when I was his age, I was, you know, a shitstorm um and he was just a really genuine dude and authentic which those people are hard to come by so i try to keep those people tight to me so we just kept talking and talking after we did the room uh and then he became honestly my brother and then ended up helping him mint his first few nfts getting him started i'm gonna and put that in the corner of the screen by the way for people watching they gotta see that original one holy shit it's beautiful tell people what that was uh so it was well there was two there was the picture of uh little dirk and young thug um that kind of went viral for a little bit and got a lot of eyes on him that's that meme the, the famous meme, meme the famous where he's meme. looking in the yep. looking in the screen yep and then it snowballed into his genesis peach that uh, a lot of people probably that are privy to the space know um and then, yeah we just started doing like two or three which one was the genesis again it's the one where the all smiles character is like jumping and grabbing a skateboard yes kind of kickflip i'll stick that in the corner too yep for people that, that are just listening right now and can't see the art and can kind of know what it is while they're looking at it, if they're watching on YouTube, you know, the thing about Wahid is he had this weird, like, stretch to reality where it's almost like Pixar, but new school, sleeker, more cultured, and the the shaping of the characters is his own thing. Like, it's it's fucking... It's genius. His art is is genius. You knew it was genius the second you looked at it. I knew it was anyone who looked at it knew it was genius. Like people know good art. And it's just to see where it is now, which we'll, we'll get to how all that came to be. Like you look at the early pieces. 
It's the same shit. Like, he was there. He was already arrived. Yep. Well, the thing with him is there's a story, and that's honestly what I think separates us a good bit is the story that gets told through his art, anything that we do at the end of the day. We were even talking yesterday, kind of some alpha for the people in the audience, the events that we're going to do in the future. It's all going to be, like, storytelling because, yeah, we'll have, like, a huge rager with music and artists coming through and stuff like that, but we want to curate an experience at the end of the day. And that's what I think is going to always going to separate us in some capacity is we're leading with the story and the art. What do you mean curate an experience? If you follow why he's art, <clears throat> he tells stories. He does acts, right? Like act one, act two, act three. Yeah. And the whole storyline is related in each piece. It's about his experiences. It's about the people that have, he's engaged with across the way, like anyone who's helped him and, and had an impact in his life. So we want to continue to tell kind of different stories that, aren't necessarily his life or my life or any of ours, but just expanding on our collection, which is culture, fashion, music, hip hop, mm. art. Such an interesting guy, man. I mean, I, I can't wait to get him in here to sit down and, and start from square A with him to go through it. That'll be an amazing podcast. It but, is. He's got a story. You know, he he's from, for people out there who aren't familiar with him, he's from Afghanistan. Mm. He left at what, like age 16? 15. 15. Okay. So he grew up there. Obviously, we didn't do a very good job over there after about 2002. So it's it's the, the country is now under Taliban control. It wasn't at that point, but it had not been a total successful turnover. Yeah. So it's still a turmoil-ridden place due to some people over there, you know, certain extremists, things like that. Yep. But comes to America, and kid just has a, a knack for creating shit. And what's amazing about him is... You know, I love people who have a lot of culture to them. You know, he, I mean, he, he's like, he's like a hip hop head who's got like, it's very hard to explain, but he's got like a, he's got like an edge to him and he keeps his own culture within everything that he puts out with that. It's this unbelievable marriage that if you didn't know who he was, you wouldn't even be able to tell that. You just know what you're looking at. And, and the way he also expresses himself is different. It's real. That's yeah. the difference. It's real. And I we talk about it all the time. Even in the NFT space and what we're trying to do with, with the company, we're not trying to follow any specific path. You know the board apes, you know the punks, you know this, you know that. But we're different. We have art at the end of the day. Like I said, we have a story to tell. So outside of just the things that we offer and give access to as being a holder, we're leading with the art. The art is telling us stories, which it's real. It's culture. It's people at the end of the day which mm -hmm. i feel like is lost in the space a little bit before we go like maybe this is a good spot like before we go down to the timeline of how smiles verse came together mm -hmm. and and where this all is right now can we go back to like the year 2021 itself with the development of nfts and how it changed because my my podcast with mitch was one that a lot of people really liked because he broke down a lot of the marketplace mm. and took people into every day like what's shit what might be shit what's probably <laughs> shit and then what actually is good and also was able to bring it back to like you know this space regardless of all the people running into it this is the key to the, whatever the next era is here yeah. so i think now we're looking at it from I think I know now we're looking at it from the end of someone who's who's building a company within there, right? You're on a different part of the business. And you've you officially like launched this thing, I guess, like end of summer. 
started to announce it and, and put yep. it out there, like Smilesverse, end of summer 2021. But ahead of building that, what I saw from the outside, you were in this every single day, so this is why I want you to expand upon What I saw is the initial NFT rush that was very much driven by Clubhouse, by the way, which is kind of funny now. But the initial NFT rush of like, Late January, especially February and March, was all like, oh, celebrities dropping X. Yep. Right? Not that that doesn't still happen. It does. We see it a lot. But it's not as widespread as it was at the beginning, and it's not like those are the projects that rule. The projects that rule, the best example probably is is Board Ape Yacht Club. Yep. And so maybe a good place to start would be talking to everyone about how Board Ape Yacht Club came to be, who's behind it, like what the project is and why it's important and why it's also like now becoming this huge center of culture. So <clears throat> three things with this. Yeah. One, talk about it later. They just announced a fundraising round of four hundred and fifty million at a four billion valuation. Today, Wait, I didn't even see that. Today, right before this. Holy shit. Yep. Second thing, I will pre- premise uh this episode by saying I am not a collector, I am a builder in this space. So most projects that happen and pop up, I don't even know about half the time unless they get on my radar through like the team or, or through the space, through Twitter and stuff. Because, you know, in my opinion, there's there's so many different niches right now. So many people are trying to figure it out that there's not necessarily a direct competitor to you. So I'm kind of just, I'm focused on what we're doing and building. Yes. But full circle here, the Board Apes ultimately were like the first mainstream project that that got any traction. Um, and by project, I mean generative project, which is in most cases like 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 um, NFTs within a, a drop. And that in this case and for a lot of them, they're all personalized NFTs. So they're all different. Randomly generated. In a lot of them. Yeah. So a computer basically when you go to click mint, you don't know what NFT you're getting until it reveals. And even the, you know, the project founders also don't know what NFT you're getting. And just to review for basics again for people who didn't listen to the one with Mitch or aren't as familiar with this, and you know, I think an important thing is simplifying this stuff to bring it out so that everyone can kind of get sure. a feel for what it is. But there's the way they work is through rarity, through traits. So in this case, Board Ape Yacht Club, I'll put a picture of that in the corner so people can look. The main character is an ape. It comes yep. on the same, you know, square of a picture that's a digital representation only that you buy on the blockchain because each one is a one of one and you own it and each one has different things on that ape. So it can be the simplest thing ever where it's got a trait that some type of hat that's worn on the most different apes throughout the whole collection. Or it could be, you know, like what's a really rare trait some of the apes have? Like a gold skin. Yeah, exactly. So it could have like gold skin yep. and therefore maybe there's only, I don't know, like 30 apes like that or yeah, something yeah. like that. So therefore, higher lower supply, higher demand, basics of economics, those are the ones that tend to quote-unquote sell for more. Typically, yes. Um, and the Board Apes kind of, like I said, they were the first project that kind of got mainstream and actually was doing things. But the ironic part with the Board Apes is, you know, right now in this market, when a project drops, you see they'll sell out in 30 seconds, uh, a couple minutes in the entire collection. Board Apes, when they minted. If you look across the past three, four years, we have finally started to put a focus on the sleep aspect of our health. It's always been something talked about because everyone has to sleep, but there hasn't been like a lot of like crazy tech science going behind it. I mean, there was like sleep number and Tempur-Pedic, but who the fuck wants to sleep on that? Until... 
Our friends over at 8sleep came into the business. See, the Silicon Valley, now Miami, 8sleep company is the first real tech company to do mattresses rather than mattress companies trying to do tech. What happens is they have this product. What happens is – why the fuck did I say it like that? We'll still go with it. They have a product called the 8sleep Pod Pro Cover, which is what I use every single night. It comes in queen or king sizes. It goes right on top of your current mattress, and it optimizes your sleep stages around you. How does it do this, you ask? Well, the 8sleep Pod Pro Cover is wired in directly to 8sleep's proprietary app that measures things like your heart rate, your body temperature, a bunch of other scientific stuff throughout the night so that you get the deepest sleep possible and wake up with the most energy possible. It's like sleeping six hours, and you're going to feel like you slept eight. That's what I always like to say. So if you use the link in my description, along with the code Trendifier at checkout, that's very, very important. You have to use Trendifier where it says like promo code, T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R. Use that code at checkout, and you will get $150 off your own 8Sleep Pod Pro cover today. And if you want to just get the full mattress, which is the same product, but it also comes with an actual mattress, you get the 8Sleep Pod Pro mattress, and you get $150 off that as well using code Trendifier at checkout. So Get some better sleep. Get some more energy. Check out 8Sleep. You're going to love it. Talk to you guys next week. It was like a week or so before they sold yeah. out. There was clubhouse rooms about them, which ultimately I think that was the big push that got them to sell out. Was the clubhouse rooms were filled with like a lot of people, and everyone on stage was just buying them. And I didn't take anyone's advice, and I didn't buy it myself. <laughs> so that's why I'm not a trader it. here, people. At I least am you didn't a builder. sell it like Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sold it for like an ETH or something like that. Poor guy. But they, when they announced it, this is what I'm not even sure about. Because mm-hmm. when I've looked at all the stuff, like reading some of the great articles that like long pieces have been written on them, just from like a culture perspective, you see everything they're doing now. Yeah. But when they announced, and we're just doing these clubhouse rooms, what was the utility they were offering, you know, so that you own, quote unquote, you own this NFT, therefore, here's what you get access to. So with them, they ended up dropping uh, Board Ape Kennel Club, which is a companion to the main collection, and it was a dog. And the traits, some of them mirrored the original collection, and then some of them had new ones as well. And that was it? At the time, yeah. But now it's been, you know, they were the first project, so they've had some time to grow. Uh, a lot of funding. A lot of trading volume to add additional funding and just a lot of big celebrities are now involved. So it's almost like uh, I compared it the other day. I almost compared it to like a Soho house. That's your membership into now like that exclusive club. And that's what they ended up maximalizing or maximal, maximizing <laughs> words are hard right now. But it became this center of hip hop and culture with apes which is kind of funny like it's some random like drawing but it suddenly becomes this bigger collective for like something important in society i guess and now people have access like holders it ended up as you said getting towards celebrities but people have access to go to their exclusive clubs their exclusive events in person online you know mixing the physical and digital and also it's become a it's like a simplicity brand statement. Like they have fashion brands that go with it that are simple, like black and white space type shirts yep. that I think they have other colors too, yep. but a lot of simplicity type designs. And it's like, it's almost like they are forming their own offshoot of like Supreme in the metaverse. Like that's kind of their vision with it that I like the vibes I get from it. I don't know what you think. Though. I think they're just trying to, in a way, like, be the ones that are at the forefront of IP because recently they acquired the CryptoPunks 
from Larva Labs, which is the original creator mm -hmm. of CryptoPunks. That's a huge project collection. Yeah. But a big thing with the CryptoPunks was if you owned one, you didn't get full rights to the IP. So you could only do so much to it. What the Bored Apes did, they gave you full rights to the IP of your ape. So now there's a lot of people creating businesses and doing a lot of interesting things with the ape. So Bored Apes, uh, Yuga Labs technically, which is the parent company of Bored Apes, purchased CryptoPunks and then gave away the IP rights to that. Mm. I'm just... You just mentioned that. I want to look this up. There was a guy. There was a guy who bought a board ape, and it was a really simple one. Like it wasn't. It didn't have rare mm. traits. But I was on the Twitter account a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I could pull it up. But he named it something, and started his own social accounts with it. I guess because he owns the IP of owning the ape, and now it's it's a very it's a very sought after ape. Because he exactly. created like this being, exactly. in a, which is really kind of, it sounds like almost stupid when you think about it. Because it's like, well, it's just one of the apes, so you could go buy one that has a better, you know, rarity to it. It should be worth more. But no, this one's like a character. It's, I'm blanking on what the name is of it. but There's a couple of them, maybe like Jenkins Valet. Jenkins, that's it. Yep. Yeah. So theirs is interesting, though, because they have a whole writer's room and everything. So now... It's like the community involved in Jenkins Valet is involved in creating stories around this and around kind of themes in the space, utilizing this hate. And what kinds of stories are we talking like things that they want to make a TV show out of? Uh, potentially, honestly, yeah, because they did raise at the end of the day funding from from the sales of the NFT. So they do have capital, which is mainly decided by the people, I believe. Um, but they do some interesting things. I'm still having trouble like conceptualizing this part of it. Which part? Like how we're basically buying these masks up in digital space to say that like you own the only one, you know, like you see all those people who are like never looked at an NFT in their life and they post the funny memes of like <laughs> someone trying to block their picture like as someone's like taking a picture of their NFT yep. like, no, you can't take a picture of that. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's so hard to protect. But you don't really – what was the one example someone gave? Maybe Mitch gave it, but it's like you can look at a Lamborghini, mm. you can sit next to it even, but you don't fucking own it. <laughs> and it's it's supposed to be the same thing with this. It's just something about the disconnect of people not seeing the metaverse yet because it's not technically like a huge thing at this point. It's not yeah, where sure. everyone's going all day. So they, they're not – seeing it in practice and it's very hard to conceptualize like why that's going to be important the one thing you could conceptualize right now is like if you own one the access you get to like social events and stuff yep. or online or in person yep well also too like for a comparison standpoint it's almost like a picasso right in the museum and you try to buy a picasso it's millions of dollars mm -hmm. but you could also go to say a target or something and buy a print of a picasso you own it but it's not the real one right which is very similar in this space. And I think the difference, playing the devil's advocate of the people out there who are like, mm. what the fuck? The difference they look at it is the real Picasso, you can touch it, right? <laughs> it had his, his hand, well, the brush, his hand probably smudged it at some point too. Like it touched the actual, whatever, the canvas that sure. he was painting on. Sure. And like those were his strokes, whereas anything that was created after that, it was just reproduced. I guess, like, when I think about it, maybe this is me just trying to qualify it, but I think this makes a lot of sense. When Wahid makes an NFT, he's making it on his computer. Now, instead of a paintbrush, he's got a mouse, yep. right? 
Yep. And he's clicking around. He's doing this whole thing there. And so then once he uploads and ex- exports and, and uploads the file to the internet for people to buy, now if someone wants to, like, take a screenshot of it, they don't have the one that his mouse in this case touched. It really is the same thing if you boil it down that way, I think. For sure. But it's also, like, that's that's – it only makes sense that that's the next step because when I grew up, I didn't have a phone in my hand. And as soon as – Someone's born today. They have every form of technology at their disposal. Everything's digital. So it only makes sense that art is the next medium for that. Yeah, I mean, we should have seen it with the video games. Easily, yeah, for sure. Which, full circle, NFTs now. Yeah, I mean, what's it? Fortnite? That's pretty much accidentally where NFTs were created, you could say. Informally. With skins. Yeah. 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 But it's going to be interesting to see because we have a partnership with... Uh, gaming production company efuse and we're kind of working with publishers now to figure out which games we can actually do because at the end of the day we are an nft company and a lot of these big gaming publishers haven't really given a public stance on nfts yet or what their thoughts are around it so they're kind of staying away right now and there's been some projects that have popped up that were gaming focused that ended up not doing well and kind of under exceeding expectations Mm um so they kind like of got played earning gaining gaming stuff well a lot of them are doing well but i'm not going to single out any project specifically but there's been one of recent that caused a lot of issues um and gaming publishers took notice to that so mm. now they're taking kind of a step back in instead of diving in at first but when the, the publishers who are doing it are you saying that it's not you're just talking about their own existing new games that these projects are looking to create versus publishers of integrating these nfts into existing games it's kind of both so <clears throat> what we're doing with efuse is um we're gonna have holders only tournaments in our discord and then if you end up winning that you get an opportunity to play against uh programmers or streamers mm. in a live stream tournament on twitch but with those we're not playing any blockchain games we're gonna play our first ones with halo so like we're trying to do nba 2k and, and games like that are all these things gonna go blockchain though as well like integrate that like isn't halo gonna have to if the world moves there they're gonna have to integrate accepting i mean i don't know i'm trying to visualize this a little bit but they're gonna have to integrate accepting outside nfts into their universe so to speak yeah for sure especially because the board apes are gonna come out with their own metaverse and they dropped the token i think last week and that token is gonna basically be the currency that's exchanged within their game so it's only a matter of time for the most of them but um so they're building their own metaverse I didn't see that. Been a lot of moves the past like week and a half. When they say they're building their own metaverse, though, is that their own community within a larger metaverse, or is that quite literally their own place where only they can go or people they invite? I believe it's going to be like people they invite and other projects that they collab with, because the teaser video they put out included other projects. My only thing when I'm trying to figure out where that ends up that constantly gives me pause is large community and scale right so look at facebook back when they disrupted and basically like started the social media craze everybody went there yep someone else i don't know if they did they probably didn't but someone else hypothetically could have created a site right after facebook that was even better Right. I guess you could say Instagram did in a way. Right. But let's just say like in 2007. Right. 
and they could have taken market share, right? But they didn't because everyone went into Facebook. It was the best product at the time. And even if this other product hypothetically would have looked great, if no one's going, it doesn't matter. So when I look at these different places saying like, oh, we're launching a metaverse, I'm like, if every fucking company launches a metaverse, that's true. it's going to be like kiosks outside the kiosks outside the mall, right? Like it's not – these aren't going to be the things that people are like hot button going to. You're giving people too many choices. I mean our social media world is basically boiled down to if, – if I include like streaming and all that. Sure. Let's say it's boiled down to like eight different platforms mm. total within America and, and English-speaking countries, things like that, right? So – how do how do we Yeah, but in this and like in this space it's so new. So Yeah. And the crazy part is we were saying it's so new last year. Like we are everyone's it's become a buzzword now, but we are so early. And it's it's early enough too from a gaming standpoint because a lot of the games right now it's like not high quality. Um which were in twenty twenty two. If you watch the intro to Halo I almost thought I was watching a legit movie with real people. Mm. The technology's there. Yeah. We should be building in that. So I know like a few companies are building in like an Unreal Engine, so it's it's really high quality graphics. But for in this space, when you don't know who's gonna win, it's all about interoperability. So you as a project, all these companies that are creating metaverses want to work with you. So you should be able to plug into all of these because then you can collab with not collab, but like pit against each other. So like a Mario Kart. Smiles could be racing the board apes. Mm. So it's about collaboration, I think. And that would create events, obviously, which was always the plan. I know that. But that's also how you open up to like more people than just your holders, too. Yeah, I just keep thinking about like, you know, what Facebook meta now is trying to do. <laughs> like, I don't even know if we. Do we know? That's, yeah, the, that's the point. I don't think we really know. But, but we never will. But either way, I think it's probably a safe bet that if you look at the world Mark Zuckerberg grew up in and what he created, he wants his own place where everyone goes. You know, he he wants his blue F in 2.0 now, you know, so that would mean that he's taking time away from other opportunities, therefore taking people away over time because he's getting more volume and then creating that centralized social hub in the now metaverse. Yeah. You know, and then look at the central land where it's digital real estate, like that whole thing and what they could do there. That's a whole nother, it's a whole nother thing. We can get into that, but like that's human beings are herd animals at the end of the day, by yeah. and large, it just, it, it is the way it is. Go on Twitter. You can see why. Yeah, it is. Especially, um, in this space right now, it's kind of, how do I dance carefully? Uh, it's kind of built around hype right now. And what happens with hype, it's a large group of people following kind of the same thing. It's just kind of the premise of the space right now, which is unfortunate, but kind of all points to we're still early. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think the bus has not even arrived at the stadium. It's nah. not the first inning. You know, for me, I'll think that the game's underway once I see NFTs as like the ticket to regular things in society. It will be soon. Right. And and in a way that the first iterations of that have already oh, yeah. happened. Yep. But I'm saying like on a wider scale. Like when I see uh, – not my dad. But like when I see some <laughs> of my friends who are 
in their 20s, so they're not like teenagers and stuff like that, just casually whipping out an NFT to go to a Sixers game or something, like I'll know we're in we're in the second inning. I mean, that's that's like the most tangible and immediate thing in my opinion. Like tickets are a no brainer because you could track everything forever, and then concert tickets too. It'd be dope if Drake knew, you know, one person has been to his concert ten times. That's now a VIP fan Mm. that could unlock something special. Do, can we know? Well, you can know that. You may not know who they are, but you can know their digital identity. True. But right. I guess the caveat is they would be KYC'd because you have an email address that, I don't know, True. Ticketmaster and stuff would have to link to. I'd have to see that, like how that works, assuming it's the same. I mean, the, t- the tech in the space is moving incredibly fast, so I'm sure there'll be a workaround for that. All right. Well, let's go back to you then. Because, I mean, Board Apes was just the best way to go through that because sure. you saw the shift from that whole, like, oh, it's just a celebrity pump your bag space to, oh, no, you can you can literally be, like, an anonymous group and come out, create a project that builds a community around it, gets the people behind it, and leads the way. And then, obviously, Mitch and I, if you want to listen to a podcast that talked about all kinds of shit projects and stuff like that, <laughs> that was number 78, I want to say. Something like that. So I feel like we kind of covered that there. But you, throughout the spring, in like April, May, and then into the summer, June, July, you started partnering with Wahid on his just individual projects. So Not even partnering. He's my boy, my brother. I was just doing what I can to help him. Right. So you're you're basically like helping him with the back end, some of the business side of it, because he's putting out some of these collections, like the Act 1, Act 2s. He put out some sick work of like Kanye West, too. Beautiful. Forgot about that one. I'll Shout put, out, yeah. I'll put that in the corner. That was like, like the best part about his art is the Easter eggs he puts into it. And that one right there, I was just like the level of detail on all the little things from every era of Ye's career. It was unbelievable easter eggs are his thing that's how he tells his stories yeah so puts out things like this you're helping him and then when did you guys start having the conversation of like oh we should do a collection where why he can build and we'll talk about what the collection is and everything where why he can build his own character and put his own spin with all different kinds of traits on it that he can also build and create a community around his art um so i mean initially Wait, what was the question? Oh, I spaced. It's okay. When did when did uh, yo? It's still trippy, like hearing yourself. Oh, you're one of the anti headphones guy. I forgot. Very about that. much so. Yeah, you're one. Of, Very like, much. So. No one is, but you are. I think there's been like maybe one other person here who's like a little weirded out for a second. But I mean, the simple end of the question is when did Smiles Verse start to be like? Oh, oh let's yeah, do yeah, this. yeah. My bad, my bad. Uh, so fortunate, unfortunate. Um, his one of one works because every time he minted them, they're up for auction. So they always want to explain to people what that is. A one of one is literally a one of one piece. It's not out of a collection. So there's only one edition. Um, and the way he did it was they would all be up for auction. So they'd always start at point one ETH and then they quickly started rising in price, which became unattainable to like, you know, the, the everyday people, which at the end of the day, me me and him try to represent the most. Um, Hmm. so we were like, how do we kind of create something that enables a lot more people to get into smiles? Because him himself was starting to grow as an artist a lot. He did some work with Pusheisty. He did a Supreme t-shirt. He had so he done was, the poo thing, right? When we met him, he'd already done that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The album Crazy. cover. And now it went diamond, platinum, 
Yeah, I'll put that in the corner too. So people, we're, we're going to pump all the art in the corner today. That's why he'd day around here. That's why he'd day. Uh, but yeah, so it basically became unattainable, you know, and we wanted to figure out how to create something. One that we cared about because the reason I vibed with his work so much, it's, it's all stuff that I enjoy. It's fashion. It's hip hop. It's culture. That's kind of my world. If... You know, if recent, if you've been around me, I literally walk around all day just spitting rap lyrics out. <laughs> Jules, you do too. Like, we're very the same with this. We are. So it was just an awesome opportunity to, one, funnel both of our, our passions into something, and then, two, welcome in a lot more people and just get to hang out with cool people and do dope stuff with dope people that vibe with what we're about. And again, I, I like the aspect of opening it up to everyone because we'll get to where you're sitting today, but obviously it's, it's pricier at this point, but the people who got in at what would be the start of this project, like the people who built the community over a few mm -hmm. months, like open to anyone, right? So you may have some wealthy people in there. You may have some people who aren't wealthy. You may have some kids in there who are like yeah. 15 with no money, but they get a chance to be a part of this. And now they also get to, as of right now, build like a little wealth off this too, which is very, very cool. That's honestly like the most beautiful part, in my opinion, is not only like all the stuff that we're doing and the connections that we get to make and the partnerships that we have, but it's, it's about the people, you know, mm. because then we gave people an opportunity to get in at a relatively cheap price. It was only 0.1 ETH, but we gave them an opportunity to liquidate, which a lot of people in this space talk about diamond hands. You got to hold on to this forever. But at the end of the day, if you could take our piece that you purchased for 0.1, sell it for 1 ETH, sell it for 2 ETH, sell it for whatever, that's life-changing money at the end of the day. And our community is a lot of newcomers to this space. So what better introduction to them to 10x their initial investment, you know, and potentially change people's lives. We had a community member come up and say that he ended up selling his piece and used it to fund his career and to start getting into art. That's impact. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you get to be an involuntary seed investor into people in a way because the, the, the people who get in there, you know, they, they are they're building off of maybe what what they get through you and like you know the cynics will say and they'll be right about some projects oh it's a pump your bags kind of thing get money into it get out but one of the things that really separates what you guys are doing and you know frankly you have a huge leg up on board ape even with this is that you are centered around a, a legit legit artist with a vision who creates unbelievable shit that is applicable to so many different things. So, you know, we'll get into like partnerships and stuff like that, but you guys can continue building out, you know, beyond just an, an initial collection. But the people who own the collection, essentially, in this case, in this modern world now, they own a piece of fucking stock in this company, you know? So, what you do, the work you guys do, what, yeah. why he continues to create, how it develops into even wilder shit, like, Things 3D, things in the metaverse, and obviously it's all kind of in the metaverse right now, but you get what I mean. Like in the more yep. in the more developed space, things in, in the video game space, which is going to integrate a bunch of those things together, like they get to be a part. Well, that's the thing. They're, at the end of the day, investing in the team and hoping that we continue to execute on things that we strive to, to build. And what's the, I mean, what's the next... What was, I guess at the beginning, like after you guys concepted this, that was what, like July, maybe something like that. Yeah, it was about July. We started thinking about it, and then 
actively started working towards in about August. So he started creating these characters in August. Yeah. And did you guys know you were going to turn this thing around in 90 days? No, we thought it was going to be like two weeks. Really? Oh, yeah. That was aggressive. Oh, yeah. We were initially targeting like September 8th because our collection, (laughs) we dropped 8,888 for the people. We're targeting September 8th. We ended up launching like October 30th. Yeah. And rolled into like November 1st and 2nd. I could have told you that was going to happen. but Nah. But a couple trials and tribulations, we woke up and realized what we were undertaking. And Wahid specifically, because I think at the time we were like one of the first 3D projects. So file sizes, we had some issues. We had some tech that we needed to figure out. We ended up overcoming it. Now here we are. And in the process itself, obviously, like your Wahid is in there every day building this shit. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had to work for 90 straight days just doing this nonstop. And even beyond it after the launch, if you know what I mean. But (laughs) you also were in there working on ideas with the designs too, which I thought was really cool. Like, as you said, a lot of the themes of this project and of Wahid's art match what you're interested in. But you have a – I think one of the things a lot of people – maybe even in the, in the community don't realize it's like you have a really, really good eye for this shit. So you and Wahid played really well off each other because you were a legitimate guy. He could bounce ideas off of like, Oh, I'm looking to do this or, Oh, I'm looking to do that. And you could have something to throw at him. Like, yo, what if you did this? Yo, I tell people all the time, my most enjoyable part of doing this is getting to be behind the scenes of the art creation. Mm. Because early on when I was talking to him, I only saw the end product. I didn't necessarily see from start to finish. Now, when we started doing this, I was getting even more exposed. I saw like bits and pieces throughout the process. He would send me like work in progress photos, but I never got to see like start to finish. And that to me is like the most beautiful thing because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a story, right? So he's telling a story about something that means something to him. And it's almost like it's coming to life Mm. and just getting to be involved. Him asking me my opinion, like it's so special, man. It's, and it's, it's good for me because I'm in the business side. So my head is so far deep in operations and trying to grow that I don't necessarily get to funnel out the creativity every now, every that often. But when he's creating, it's, it's, it's amazing. I love it. And it's really cool that like you guys developed this relationship completely remote for a long time. Obviously now you guys have hung out a bunch like in person. It's the ultimate metaverse relationship. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So like now it's not, I guess, but for a long time, like, to get to the point where you were at launch and doing the damn thing. I mean, you met him, I guess, like right after launch in person, right? Yeah. It's yeah. So crazy. We were, we were working for 90 plus days every day and night up till four, up till 5 a.m. So FaceTime, scheming, creating, building. And then we didn't meet until like, I mean, I guess I knew him for eight months before we actually met. Yeah. And then three months every single day committed to building together. And what program does he create on? He works in Blender. Mm. So he's showing you, he's showing you actively throughout the whole process, literally every night going through step by step, piece by piece, building it. Yep. It's fucking awesome. It is. And then even now, like when he does his one of Walmarts, sometimes he'll throw me a curveball and not show me for a few days. And then <laughs> I get fucking surprised. Like this last piece, I'm not sure when this episode's coming out and I don't know if it'll be out by then. We're filming this one a little early, a little earlier than I like. Probably gotcha. About- Probably come out in like 12 days or something like that. Well, when people see his next one of them, it's going to be crazy because he stepped out of his comfort zone, which 
is very good for him because, you know, even some people say like they want to have him work more time on the project, creating specifically for the project. But at the end of the day, he's super young into his career. He's only been creating for a year, year and a half. He needs that space to experiment. If he's always kind of doing things for this, he never gets that freedom because it's always one goal that he has to attain. But when he does his one-on-one works, it's an open court. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's got the typical artist gene. You know, he, he needs... I saw at least, you know, dealing with him and talking with him, especially in the weeks after the launch where there's all kinds of shit going on. You're dealing with just fixing this, doing that, whatever. You know, it's the initial control. part. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking from experience when you're dealing with like high level stress like that and you got to like sit and be able to create complex really cool shit it, it doesn't happen yep straight up yep. you know so he I'm, I'm glad it got to a point at least somewhat quickly relative to how long it could have dragged out as far as like getting things under you where now you guys have a have a clear you know, you're still taking on things day to day. They're always unexpected. It's like any other business. Sure. But he has his his room to run. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's running. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. What we can't say too much, but what will be coming out soon is, uh, you know, it's going to shake things up and kind of just tie into everything that we've done. So I'll leak a little alpha here. Um, we just threw a music event at South by Southwest. Shout out to Miles Mills. It's with a rapper that some people may have now attached to us. Mm. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. Is there is there another guy who has a uh, has a couple issues with uh, a couple things he's working out with the legal system right now coming down the shoot too? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that wasn't a yes or no for the record, but you know, had to put that one out there. Uh, yes, it's. Uh, it's exciting. And then kind of on the rapper topic, Lil Baby's a holder. So that's mm. dope. Now, how many does he own? I think be, uh, good question, but last time I saw one. We've okay. had a lot of interesting holders pop up recently. Jerry Lorenzo, which obviously that excites me the most. Who being, the fuck is that? Bro. God, Jerry Lorenzo? Cultured. I am culture. I don't know. Who, I can't know everyone, dude. He's a founder of Fear of God and uh, is now, I guess, creative director for Adidas Basketball. And did he reach out to you when he bought? No. Have you reached out to him? I mean, of course I've tried. You should try a little harder. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the coolest thing about this, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, one of the first days, Casey Neistat's going in there and buying one. Buying, like, three, but, like, a gold one, too, yeah. which is, like, a rare one. That's exciting. You know, you get an excuse. Now they're invested, right? You get an excuse to have access to these people. It's just beautiful to see, like, these type of people, which a lot of them I've looked up to for a good bit of time. Now seeing our vision and what we're trying to build and wanting to invest in us to make that happen. It's fucking awesome, man. I'm proud of you too. Cause it was, um, Appreciate you, brother. I mean, I, I think some of the early podcasts we did in here, you were number 34, you know, this thing was still on zero at the time. I treat it every day like it's on zero, but it's not Always. on zero now. But, you know, I look at some of those and, First of all, some of the people I had in here were so fucking good, which I'd like to take a little credit for being able to spot that in, yeah. in some people I knew. But w- let's be real here. Like people who can come in here and talk and tell a story, open up about stuff. I mean, it's content makes itself. You know what I mean? So I was so grateful for that. But like I said early on in the podcast, you and I connected through that. And we, 
you know, we did one up here. It's one of the longest podcasts we've done in here at this point. And then we did another podcast downstairs afterwards, chilling <laughs> and talking. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had such a similar, we were on the same vibe as far as mm. like really just putting the work in for a long time and trying to figure out like how to, how to get this through. And it's almost like sometimes in life, you can see not the train crash, the good train, right? The good train, the yeah. fucking machine. I don't know what a good train is, but one that's big and coming in fast as fuck. And you can see it, everything's slow. Mm. You can see where it's headed and no one else notices it because you're the only one seeing it like, oh, here to here, right? However that works. And I got that vibe heavy listening to you because – you had done all the right things and gotten yourself in some of the most serious situations for so long. And now when you, I'll never forget that. Like when you called me up and said, yo, we're going in this clubhouse room with this, with this guy, Wahid, here's his work. I need you to check it out. Give me your two cents. And I looked at him like, holy fucking shit. Where'd you find this guy? Crazy. And so of course it was good, but there's a lot of variables for with sure. artists. That said, once we got in that room with him and I heard the two of you interact, there's this thing that went on in my head where I saw that train. And I was like, it's a wrap. Like, in my head, I'm like, he's going to run with this? Like, this kid is a fucking good kid. I mean, you hope you know someone through yeah, listening yeah. to them for a while. You can't for sure, but yep. he sounded. I mean, we talked to him for a while Long in time. there. And, and I really, really liked him. And I'm like, Giovanni's one of the best guys I know. Like, th this is going to be a match made in heaven. And it didn't even start that way at all. But you just... You know, you you help this you help this guy out for a while, help him get his legs under him in the stuff that wasn't the art, you know, and then eventually you you guys come together and, and form this partnership and to see it, you know, almost like a time capsule, like fourteen fifty months later on here to talk about it, you know, that's the kind of shit I'm gonna look back on and track this and you know five years from now, hopefully number one podcast in the world, Fuck see where yeah. we're at, right? Fuck yeah. But like look back and say, damn, like we caught that. It happened. Like, you could see it. You could see the little sparks of Geo, even like Geo pre-Wahid in here. And then you could see it again when he comes in 15 months later or whatever and where they're at. And then three years from now when you guys are have overtaken Halo with your own fucking Smiles first game. <laughs> like, you know, people will look back and be like, God damn, it's all there. It's the coolest shit, man. I mean, bro, you know this, but like when you're trying to build something, especially in a space that's new and just not conventional even to like your say geographic area it's tough to find people to lean on and even just one ask for help but two like just uh, in a way vent to them where they can understand mm. and you know what he was getting into and kind of how i saw this forming out into a company he was young and you know he just needed someone to lean on at the end of the day so if i could do that for anyone i'm more than happy to do it and it just just so happened that he's really dope. All our passions align. And, you know, like you said, he's, he's a really good dude. So it's just interesting how everything came together. But I'm just super happy to be in this position to build something that we both care deeply about. And the work's only getting better, man. I mean, not just the opportunities coming in, which we'll talk about, but, you know, the quality of it, the range of it. I mean, it's confidence for sure as well. Once Once you start getting that, you know, Everything he's putting out, he puts his heart and soul into. You know, he's got the support of you helping him along the way to actually create the shit. He's got the business side taken care of, so he ain't got to worry about a lot of that stuff, which is great as a founder of a company and everything. And it's like, you know, the 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 end product that that 
confidence you get from that type of situation shows itself. So like I looked at his earliest stuff, like I told you, and I'm like, it's fucking phenomenal. Yep. But like there's even little things he'll do now when he drops something where it's like, oh, he figured something out again. Yep. There it is. I love that shit. Me too. It's the Easter eggs. That's what I'm saying. Wait till the next one. He pulled out some tricks. Got out of his comfort zone. He's got to do like a lot of research on that too. I know he inherently knows a lot about the subjects, especially if it's like people in within hip hop or stuff like that. that mm-hmm. He's a fan of, but he's got to do like a lot of research on that stuff to get it right. Well, honestly, he doesn't because it's all things that he wants to do, like the clothing. Right? None of the clothing is essentially taken from anything else. It's a recreation of something that he enjoys. He's very like New Yorky kind of style of, of clothing. So like construction type vibes. That's his that's his that's his world. So like the clothing he creates kind of models off of that. And it's all different, which is the dopest part. Within the one of ones though, you're talking about the collection, because that I guess that's both. That probably makes sense. But within the one of ones, like even oh, looking even gotcha. looking at like the Kanye one to go back to that, I'll yeah. put it I'll put it in the corner again for people to see. Like, yeah, if you're a huge fan of Kanye like he is, like I am, like, you know inherently yeah. all the things that are in there. But, like, the the little ways he did it, like what he would put the things on, like, oh, when did when he win his Grammy? Maybe oh, yeah, we'll yeah. work this album, we'll yeah, work yeah. a different one into yep. that. I don't remember if that was an example. But, like, I remember just looking at that for, like, hours, just like, damn. Like, he really cut this out. <laughs> like, this wasn't just fucking around. Like, I got high and made a piece. This is, like, some wild shit. It is, but he also does, I mean, it's kind of his nature though too, right? Like he's super into hip hop, which is like the craziest thing to me, given his background. Like I, I was throwing Big L at him and stuff, bro. And he knew everything about it. He knew Big L very well? Everyone. I never talked to him about Big L. Bro, everyone. I love that. It was crazy. It was crazy. So, so he's, like, he's pretty good with the 90s guys. Deep, deep. Like he knows his roots, honestly. Like he knows the hip hop roots and stuff. So it's kind of ingrained in him and he just funnels it through his work. How did he get into that? I haven't asked him that. Because, again, like he immigrated here when he was like 15 years old or 16 years old. Yeah, but then that's just kind of – I'm not going to speak for him here, but you now it's kind of just your taste. It's it's what you vibe with, so you get naturally attracted to it. I'll ask him when he's in here. Yep. We'll talk about it. But, again, like his story, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. His story is really – I mean, to me, it's, it is the embodiment of every bit of earning the American dream that it would still exist in i mean it's it's really an incredible thing but when you guys went to launch this because we've talked about that a little bit and you've thrown out like some prices and stuff like that like it was launching for 0.1 eth can you just explain everything that goes into that like you finish the the collection or you know it's going to be finished in like a week or two Mm -hmm. something like that and you set a date where you're going to go mint this stuff meaning you offer it to the public for people to come and buy however many they want to buy yep people have to get whitelisted to be some of the early shares just like an ipo works you know where you have people behind the scenes and then there's a public sale where people come in and they buy it as fast as it goes what was the full process there and how did it end up going within like let's say the first two weeks of launch it's full process definitely took uh like i said about three months but leading up to it it was really once we figured out how to generate 3d files which was like the main issue because the file sizes were so large <clears throat> that we weren't able to generate all 8888 but we ended up figuring out shout out to your crypto our rockstar dev it figured out how to do it a mechanism to do it 
and we able, were able to pump it out. So it was like, I said the Wild West, but like everything we were doing, and my background's in tech, but not in Web3 tech. So everything we were doing was just like trying shit, throwing it at a wall and hoping it sticks. And what, like, as far as the exports and things like that, you know, I'm used to like Adobe Premiere and stuff. Uh, I never build in this shit. So when you have 8,888 pieces, he goes in there, he builds all of the individual traits, which there were hundreds of those. Yes. And then, I mean, the, it, for people that haven't seen it, the detail on each one of these traits is absurd. It's like insane. So this could be anything from like the shirt the main character is wearing to the platform he's standing on to even the simplest part would be like the background. That's yep. the, that's the one easy one. The rest of it, it's hats, facial facial features. Uh, he created different types of faces, things like that. Different, therefore, different emotions, like different pants, different chains, like the whole nine. He put gas masks on some of these guys. It was crazy the level of shit. So he builds all this stuff, and then you randomize it. So how does that work? And is that what you're talking about as far as like the export speed when Senor Crypto came in there? Yes, the randomization and then actually like producing the completed file so we can then send it off to render. And what is because that in English? <laughs> we rendered in 6K resolution. So you alluded to like being able to zoom in and see the high quality detail. It's because we rendered in such high quality. But um, for his files, there's a lot of triangles. We're getting super tacky here. Um, there's a lot of triangles and meshes. So it creates a very large file size you're limited with what you can do in a file size, like for augmented reality, for example, if your file size is too large and you try to view something in AR through your phone, your phone melts and basically shuts down. You can't actually view it. Right. So at what you can do with things is essentially based on like how small the file size is. So you guys had to figure out a way to make it <clears throat> small enough that it could be exported to go on OpenSea pretty much. Essentially. And then also be able to render because we needed to render on our developer's computer and his computer power wasn't large enough so we needed to be able to essentially render all of them and also delete them at the same time so they weren't staying on the computer and taking up storage this was kind of like a remote garage operation too which is kind of funny yeah spread out throughout the world which senior crypto our developer is in uh, milan italy and wahid's in minnesota i'm in jersey damn so you get it all done i, I guess that render took like two weeks something like that i don't know if you said that it took about, uh, I think, a week because then we also had to re-render some things or a few issues and then right. send it back and forth a couple of times. Uh, so it took about like a week, week and a half. So you do the mint, you do the pre-sale where no one knows they can't see the ones they're buying because you don't yep. reveal until afterwards is how it works. But then you reveal, and I really don't look at the price action very much. I'm looking at what the project's doing, talking to you every day. I haven't looked at the floor in months at this point, but... You know, when you're looking at these projects on OpenSea on different platforms, you're looking at <clears throat> where it is relative piece by piece on value. So yep. projects being bought for a floor of two ETH, meaning the lowest possible available price for one of the products in the collection, NFTs in the collection, I'm sorry, is two ETH, then, you know, that's a solid project. If one is 0.05 ETH, it's not as good, right? might be okay, but... It's nothing special. You guys have managed to be at least like floating up in the area, I guess, of like one and two early on here. And it was kind of crazy, like shortly after launch, maybe like maybe a week after render post IPO or not IPO, but you know what I mean? Like post release and everything, like you started to see some of these bigger names start to buy in and say, oh, I like what's happening here. And then you started to see the price move. 
I mean, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but like the reality is to post launch, it was a slow buildup. We didn't, a lot of times you're seeing right now projects will launch and they'll moon right away or 10, 12, 15, 20x. We went to about 0.9, so there was a multiple for people to liquidate if they wanted to and get their money. Um, but then it kind of went down a little bit and we got to about, I think, we crossed one ETH maybe like a month and a half into it, two months maybe. Um, and then it's kind of been even uh, slow steady growth from there. So for me personally, though, I don't get caught up in price watching because, again, it's so early. We don't necessarily know if those are the right metrics to, uh, and indicators of success of a project. What happens, though, after launch? I think this is what a lot of people, no one outside the space thinks about this, but even people in the space who are just like moving around and flipping shit a lot of times you know, they're not thinking about what actually creates value. It's more or less just getting caught up in the moment of what people are talking about on Twitter. Hype. But you have, yeah, you have to keep that hype going. So you can't just like launch a collection of 8,888 and just live off that forever. It's got to be like, well, what are you guys doing? So what what was the, did you guys have a plan on that before you launched, like different things you wanted to do? Or did you start to kind of listen to the community and let it come together naturally? Well, there's a couple things that people sometimes forget about that we did, but even before we launched, we had a sponsored wrapped Smiles Lamborghini race in the Lamborghini World Cup in Milan, Italy. Uh, mm. So that was something we did initially. Um, and that was a really awesome time. Shout out Alessandro and, and Mark uh, for making that happen. Um, but that was like kind of our intro before we even minted. And then once we did launch, actually as we were launching, we had a booth at ComplexCon. Mm. which ComplexCon is, you know, for us and what our projects is trying to do, the perfect spot because it's for upcoming streetwear brands and, and kind of projects like that. So they started introducing NFTs. So then we, we went to that, um, and then we just started building after launch, and we dropped, um, shout out Verified, who's an incredible, incredible animator on our team. Um, he, oh, yeah, his work's great. That's the guy who does the, uh, yep. the AR stuff. If you remember, our, pre, our pre-reveal um, animation was... A Smiles character doing a tray flip across um, a table in Wahid's One of One Marks. I saw that so many fucking times it rings <laughs> in my head at this point. But it was it was pretty fantastic. It was very fantastic. Um, but we ended up dropping that for holders about, I want to say, a week and a half after we launched. Um, and we actually added to that as well because in our collection we have different skin colors. So we have an OG skin, uh, a silver, a red, and a gold. I'll put those pictures in the corner so you can see. Because there's a main ca- – for people that are unfamiliar with the project, I think we've kind of said this, but just to be sure. Like there's a main character. He dresses up the character in each NFT in the same generalized position in the middle of the screen. Yep. So we have different skin colors as well. So we also added the different skin colors to the um, tray flip animation. And we airdropped – actually, it was a free-to-claim. So if you held a Smiles piece, you could go and mint it for free. All you had to pay was gas. How do you guys – like? The whole gas thing. Mm. Do you see that situation improving anytime soon? And for people that don't know, can you explain what gas is? Gas at its simplest form, when you go to, I don't know, CVS, and you make a purchase with your debit card or your credit card, there's a transaction fee you have to pay. So gas is the blockchain's form of the credit card transaction fee. But in ETH, in this case. In Ethereum, correct. But it's it fluctuates based on the volumes of transactions happening on Ethereum at the time. So, you know, there were a lot of cases where gas was insanely expensive, so people couldn't go and mint pieces that they wanted to mint. Actually, now it's been fairly good. 
um, because just innovation and smart contracts, you could be more conscious of the gas and, and kind of put some boundaries and restraints on it. So it is getting there, but we're all kind of waiting for like Ethereum 2 to come out. Yeah, when? I mean, that's my one thing about ETH. And I, full disclosure, I own ETH. I've owned it for a long time. I'm very picky with crypto I own. I pretty much, I only own Bitcoin and ETH at this point. But I don't have, I have far more questions about ETH because one of them is we keep on hearing about this moving the proof concept. And I don't know how long they've been talking about this, maybe like four years, whatever it's been, like it still hasn't happened. And now we've had a full year, over a year of ETH being the ecosystem of this booming new space by and large of NFTs. And yet we're still seeing, I mean, you'll go in there to buy something for, you know, 0.1 ETH. And if you go in at eight o'clock on, on a Thursday night, <laughs> you might be paying the same shit in gas or more. Yep. It's a problem. I mean, it is a problem, but the reality is we don't we still don't know when it's coming there's a lot of side chains and layer twos for um example like a polygon or matic for the people at home if you're familiar with that um it's basically built on top of ethereum so with polygon you know gas fees are negligible but there's only so much you can do there's a little more of an onboarding um hardship for the everyday person to get into polygon so it's like in a world that's already complex the easiest route is is Ethereum, but also you have to go where the builders are at, and the mm. builders right now are on Ethereum. Yes, and that is the huge advantage. Like yes. they're they're there. I don't know the percentage, but it's a lot. I mean, people DeFi are there all the DeFi apps like the action is happening on Ethereum from a security standpoint as well. So I'm personally uh, that's where that's where I'm focused on is mainnet. Yeah, I mean, look, I again, I I think it's it's clearly the the court that everyone's playing on. I just. I mean, we see how fast innovation moves. Mm -hmm. We see how fast things get disrupted. And like, I keep looking at this wondering, like, is someone just going to come in with a product that suddenly doesn't have gas <laughs> or something very, very light that somehow has enough incentive for people to be able to code and, and therefore allow the ecosystem to live? I mean, maybe, you know, I haven't seen anything. Again, I'm very, very skeptical of anything I hear about. I assume it's shit. For sure. You always crypto. should. Always assume it's shit. They have to burden to proof is to prove that it might not be yep. right but i just haven't i mean it's not that i haven't even seen it it's just it hasn't improved at all period right data is data so you know when you're a project like yours or you're in the nft space you are i don't want to use the word hostage but you are you have to live within the bounds exactly where everyone is so you can't control that but also like what if one day oh we're going over here and and doing it here hypothetically i would assume if you're a good project that it doesn't really matter but who knows i mean all it takes is some sort of like ecosystem disruption to accidentally yeah. shake out the tree of of like shit that doesn't adjust right away well at the end of the day i'm gonna be honest i really just think it's a ui ux thing you're a user experience mm. like the sooner we can simplify it the sooner the masses get involved. Well, let's talk about that. As you and I talk about UI, UX with tech all the time. Big passion. You know, we had talked about Instagram last time. That aged well. Yep. Because it's oh, true. fucking shit true. platform. True. They j it was a phenomenal platform. Chronological's coming back. Though. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see that, but it's going to take a lot to save <laughs> the clutter that they have on there. Thanks. That's a, I think I put that out as a clip too on YouTube. So that's there for people to look it up where we talked about Instagram. But, you know, that was a perfect app. 
Yep. It was simple, it was straightforward. Your grandma could figure it out in two seconds. Now there's all kinds of different size text everywhere. You, your feed, I guess I got to look into this chronological thing, but your the feed. The fucking shopping button is sitting right where my oh. thumb is. Oh, it's brutal. The save button's in a bad space. Like there's all kinds of problems with it. But, you know, looking at NFTs and crypto at large, like in the same basket right now, a long term thing that has always been my criticism of again something i'm involved in and believe in 100 percent. you know the the thing the hurdle to get over is figuring out how my grandma is going to pick this up like she picked up an iphone for the first time and maybe she sucks at using it but like she can make a call she can send a text she can hit the safari button and go to the internet you know how do we get to where if someone goes on a 50-year-old's podcast and they're sitting across from a 50-year-old host and they say, oh, dude, just buy the NFT and they slide the phone across, mm -hmm. the guy's going to be able to do it. I'm, I think we're getting there. We're very close because you know, you've used Coinbase and I think most people have probably yes. used the Coinbase app. It's, it almost mirrors a Robinhood, right? So the flow is essentially the same as buying stocks. We just need to integrate that with NFTs now. So the NFT platforms need to be as easy as buying and selling stock at the end of the day. Um, which Coinbase is coming out with their own NFT marketplace, hopefully soon. Um, and it should change the game, which for people in the audience, we're also a Coinbase day one launch partner. So our um, project will be on Coinbase's NFT platform um, when they launch. Are you guys still the wallpaper on their page? I don't believe so anymore, but we were up for a good bit of time. It was that dope. was sick. Yeah, that was dope. really cool. Very cool. But um, we've been working very closely with Coinbase. Um, that's the beautiful part of Coinbase, in my opinion, is they're spending time with the creators that are involved in day one launch mm. to actually get an understanding of, okay, this is what we've built. What can we do differently? What things do you guys need in additional? And then even in the next six months, what are you building towards that you might need? Now, you guys have been on OpenSea this whole time, which has been Correct. You know, the main platform for launch where people buy and sell NFTs. So technically, marketplaces read the blockchain. So anytime you technically mint something, a marketplace can pick it up and then display it on their uh, platform. Okay, so that won't change. But is there going to be, in your opinion, a real rush here to where you see projects go exclusive to certain platforms? So like it becomes an arms race where... oh. Now, guess what? It's only going to be read on – you can only buy and sell on Coinbase. Or... I think so just because of kind of how they're going about things right now. And this honestly is not exclusive to Coinbase. Um, it could be any platform that ends up coming out. But if you spend time – like I've been telling you from the beginning, right? Like you need to put the time into the space. You can't just pop in and try to do something yeah. and expect it to go well. It might go well within a week, but after that week, it's going to burst into flames. Mm. So the way they're approaching it, I respect a lot because – they're spending time with us. They're getting involved. They're asking the right questions. I had a call with them today. Like, They're doing what they can to kind of get an understanding of what each individual project wants to build towards and then where the similarities overlap across the board. How would you get connected with them and when? They reached out to us. Um, of course they did. Yeah, but it was, it was awesome. Funny story. I don't think I've ever told this before, so I don't know if we can put this out. But Do tell. Will. Put it out. I was scrolling through our Smiles Instagram page and someone from Coinbase was in the requested messages back in November. I didn't see the message. So when I did get connected to someone on Twitter when they reached out, it was like two months later. So there was like two, two and a half months. They were reaching out early. Yeah. Wow. But we're 
just happy to be working with them right now. Like, I really enjoy the team that they have and even the people involved. Like, they're they're really good people and they're trying to do right by the space, which is at the end of the day all I care about. How do you define that right by the space for a platform? Spending time and learning, not trying to come in and swing your stuff around and say, this is what you guys need. Not get an understanding of what we've been building for the past six to eight months. What's your biggest ask of like them when they're coming to you saying like, oh, what are you not getting right now? How can we give it to you? I'm under NDA. (laughs) Oh. So I can't talk about the platform at all, really. Mm, That sucks. Respect it, though. Respect it, for sure. That is what it is. For sure. Good answer. Your lawyer will be (laughs) Shout out the lawyers. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking of that. But when are they, I don't know if this is covered by the NDA, but when are, vaguely, are they planning to fully launch? Hopefully soon. That's all I know. Okay. Not much, not much there. That's an honest answer. Okay. It's been, uh, they've. It's just like tech, man. In any tech, right, there's there's an unanticipated hurdles that you go through. Delays delays here, delays there. So and Especially the more conversations we have and the things that we're throwing at them. Because, bro, at the end of the day, we're still learning, too. But they're doing it like a soft opening, right? Yeah, it's, it'll be a beta. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not going to be like, oh, any project can just upload now. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to be selected like you. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's very fun. Yeah. and it's, like It's exciting to work with someone like Coinbase, but also help them build a new product. I think OpenSea, you know, the design of the platform is actually, by and large, very nice. It's pleasing. It's white space. It's fairly simple when you go through it. There's a few things I could point out. But all in all, for how they brought it out there, is is pretty good. But some of the issues that they've had along the way is... I feel like they're going to kind of blow this because you're going to see something like a Coinbase, which is already long established as a brand in crypto, come in and say, all right, well, we're going to replicate that in a customized way, as you've been pointing out, for NFTs now. And there's actually going to be space for them to come in and steal that market, in my opinion. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it depends on, (laughs) I'm going to sound like a broken record, but how much time you're spending with the community. Mm. Because they're your customers at the end of the day, they're going to drive all of the volume of sales. So if you're not appeasing to them and your platform isn't super friendly to them, it doesn't really matter. How big is your community now? I guess Discord. Let's start there. Discord was like 15,000. I think Twitter is approaching 40,000. But we have 4,500 holders. So about like 53% unique ownership, roughly. And you probably, I'm totally guesstimating right now you probably have brand awareness at probably close to a thousand x of that i'm gonna guess as far as people who have if i showed the average individual the average twitter user right now Mm. a picture of smiles there's gonna be a lot of people say oh yeah i've seen a bunch of that or i've seen that before i think what's interesting about us is we our logo it's on camera right now if you're watching is text it's mm. easily branded so you can send that in a message you can have it in your twitter name you could have it in your instagram name which to me is like the most appealing you know what i didn't realize for the longest time with that i sat up like at night really really wondering how wahid did the did the colon 
on the offshoot, on, on the offshoot. <laughs> but apparently, I Bro. think it's only like a Twitter like weird it's a Twitter like glitch. It's a glitch on Twitter, so that when you do two two colons at a time, Got it makes shifts. one like crooked. And I'm sitting there like on my keyboard, like how the fuck does he do this? I'm like googling it. I can't find anything. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck, man? Yep. But that was kind of cool. I I do like how at the end of the day, though, always about simplicity. I like how it's it's straight like that. It is, and it's like an alien. It also appeals to everyone, right? Like it's a smiley. Yeah. At the end of the day, you could be fifty, you could be sixty, you could be ten, could be yeah, twenty. Exactly. So we kind of appeal to all audiences. It's memorable in that way. In a way, yeah. I wish you had a couple less S's on it, but fewer <laughs> S's. But blame Twitter. Yeah, I'm just just cutting some eyes and dotting some T's here. <laughs> a little backwards action. But when you guys actually started to then have to move to the next phase after the launch and after the initial like mm. price stuff we talked about that's where these next actions of partnerships came in and in my opinion this is this is one place where talking with you literally like at launch you know this was all you were focused on like how do we figure out how to get this with existing brands across different industries such that a we get brand awareness but b we get opportunities to create in other spaces that aren't just you know building a collection or something like that the partnerships, I think, in my opinion, are, are very key, especially, I'm going to say it again, in a space that's so new. Like, especially for us because we're doing fashion, right? I'm, an, I'm all cards on the table. I've never built a fashion company before. I'm in tech, right? That's my background. So the partnerships that we're creating, like, for example, with the hundreds. Bobby from the hundreds has been incredible to work with. And just to kind of create these relationships that will help us expand as not just an NFT project, not just a Web3 pr- a company, but a brand, a real-world mm. brand. So all these partnerships, they're essentially relationships that will help us get to the next step of what we're building towards. And what was the full extent of the Hundreds partnership? Because, by the way, you're wearing the hoodie right now. It's it's sick. Love uh, the design. Yeah, it's dope. Honestly, yeah, I like simplicity. That's what I like about it. Um, so the Hundreds, um, we did... Uh, Two color waves of this hoodie and then also a t-shirt and we dropped a tote bag with the hundreds. One uh, color wave exclusive to holders of our NFT and then one open to the public. So it was it was awesome, man. And it really helped kind of get a little more traction, a little more eyeballs to us as, like I said, a mainstream brand, not just an NFT project. You just said that you have never built a fashion brand. Like that's a weakness though. I'm just thinking about that because, I mean, without going through names and stuff there's all kinds of people in fashion obviously who came up through the game you sure they're working at age sure, 19 sure. at these companies and stuff like that so i don't want to discount that at all but fashion is something that even people who don't like fashion practice everyone that's true if, if, if you walk outside and you're not naked you you have fashion whether it's good or bad is a whole different thing it's subjective but you know when i look at different people over time obviously if we are going to use an example one of the easiest ones to point to would be like a Kanye West mm. who's a rapper, but I think it's clear to say now he's a fashion genius Yeah, was always there. You know, if you're a person that values that kind of shit or has always been thinking yeah, visually thanks. about this stuff and, and you ask yourself questions like, Oh, why do I like that there? Why do I like that positioning of what she's wearing and on that part or mm-hmm. whatever? You know what I mean? Like w- when you're looking at this, anyone can can take that imagination and extrapolate it. It's just a matter of if it's good or not. But like your style coming up through tech, for example, as we've said a million times now, 
you leaned into the same simplicity aspect that I like to lean into looking yeah. at anything. Mm. And so what's the difference in creating some great fashion, something like this? You well, know? I guess that's that's true because if if you ask any of my friends, they'll always know that like I dre- I've dressed very different my whole life and I'm kind of – I'm a streetwear head myself. So yeah. I've, I guess I've always had that in me, but more so from building a fashion company I've never done. So You never you know, built an NFT company either? Valid point. Touche, my brother. Touche. Yeah, that's like, I'll tell you straight up. That's like a cop out. No, that, I mean, that we're you're doing not practicing it. either because you're doing, doing it. it. That's we're my point. It. So, we're like, if, if you weren't doing it, I'd be yelling at you right now because facts. The, when you start something, like someone has to start with something. Somewhere. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's what's most exciting about it. Is yeah, I'm, I just like the NFT space, we're just trying to figure stuff out and do it together. But again, it's all, it's all about the relationships and the catch, connections you make. Because like one thing I've learned a lot, Italy, for example, praised for manufacturing and distribution over there of their clothing. Mm-hmm super closed community you need to know people to get into that space to even step into a warehouse that could potentially produce something for you yeah so like it's all these extra steps and there's been a fashion company out of paris that i've spoken to two amazing dudes they've they shared a lot of insight with me um speaking of bobby just getting these relationships and getting an understanding of how this works also during and post-covid which threw all of this stuff through a loop that's a whole nother interesting topic though too like cross-cultural interaction because one of the things you got immediately with this like when it was the smallest community is because it's an internet-based thing it's a Mm. blockchain-based thing you have access to pretty much everywhere around the world besides maybe like north korea you know so you can talk to anyone you said your developers in your crypto shout out out in italy there italian style perfect example you know so you're getting connected with all these different people who you know, or from a totally different place, totally different walk of life. Look at your partner. Look at the two of you mm-hmm. and how different you are, like like your backgrounds. But have you seen besides the example you just gave, like of going into Italy and how hard that is, for instance, to break into different fashion areas there and stuff like that, which is not hard to believe for me, just thinking about that. But have you seen different things that you've run into where it's like, oh, you have to change your order of business on something, even within your day-to-day operations because you're dealing with people who are – from a different country and from a very different culture, even how they go about business? Every day. I mean, the reality is even too from the United States because we don't necessarily, like we're, the mm-hmm. regulations aren't in place yet. They're still trying to figure it out. Biden just signed an executive order the other day. Yeah, there's a little bit of substance, but we don't realistically know how that's going to impact anything. What was the order? Uh, pull it on up because I don't want to botch it. Biden. Biden executive order. For crypto. Oh, crypto. crypto. I did see that. But there you go. Kind of to your point, it's addressing crypto, not NFTs. So we didn't even get to NFTs yet. All right. Let's let's go to Coindesk. Let's go straight to the source here behind you. All right. This is, as I said, from Coindesk. It's called Biden's executive order and more regulatory updates. Oh, no. That's a podcast. We don't want that. (laughs) I didn't – I haven't read this yet. I saw like two tweets on it, which Uh, means I assume I know nothing about it because you never know what you're going to get there. This one right here? Yeah. Yeah, let's go CNBC. All right. Biden just put out an executive order on cryptocurrencies. Here's everything that's in it. Uh, The measures focus on six key areas, consumer protection, financial stability, illicit activity, U.S. competitiveness, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation – Let's see. Also, it says in there, um, they're putting serious resources towards thinking about a currency. We're going to talk about that. But I don't know enough about it. Okay. The measures announced Wednesday will focus on six key areas. I just read those. 
It's calling on the Treasury to assess and develop policy recommendations on crypto. It also wants regulators to, quote, ensure sufficient oversight and safeguard against any systemic financial risk posed by digital assets, while while policymakers have been keen to downplay any systemic risk resulting from crypto. There have been increasing concerns over the role played by stablecoins. These are digital tokens that are meant to be pegged to the value of existing currencies like the U.S. dollar. Tether, the world's largest – okay, one into the whole Tether thing. We don't have to get into that. This one – this next one I love, by the way. I'm not even going to give this the time of day and read it. Illicit activity. <laughs> what the fuck do they think the dollar's used for? Yeah, that's – bro. This is, this is where it gets scary, man, yep. because you see disruption coming and like I think anyone with half a brain has said this since day one. So long before I was ever looking at crypto, like when Bitcoin got created in 08, sure. 09 – if a government loses control of money, what do they control? It's nothing. very no nothing. Nothing. So like, I I keep looking at this as someone who who believes in the space very much, and my fear has been the whole time they're gonna find a way to centralize the fuck out of this. Low key though, to an extent, right now, centralization to in some capacity is not a bad thing, especially in a space that's kind of new and we need innovation to move really fast sometimes it's hard to move fast if you're completely decentralized what if you put what if you put it under complete control of a government though oh i'm talking about like from a company standpoint government yeah we we don't need them involved whatsoever and that's the thing this is this is the government getting involved and what you were alluding to was cbdc's central bank digital currencies which Mm -hmm. You know, I keep looking at this and I keep looking at all the little things going on on the chessboard around the world and, and you know, some of the madness we see. Madness creates opportunity. Mm-hmm. It creates opportunity for good people and it creates opportunity for people That's who aren't so good, you know? So I look at a potential economic crisis if it were to happen around the world, which eventually it will. We had a very – I don't want to say we had a quick one at the – at the pandemic, we did not have a quick one. We still very much have one. It just increased oh, yeah. the wealth gap. But the overall health of marketplaces, which packed the bags of the rich by and large, obviously recovered quickly. So I'm talking about a sustained, prolonged economic downturn that affects everyone for a long period of time. We're going to be due for that. Yeah. We are, right? So when that happens, the advantageousness – I don't know if that's a word, but we'll go with it – Like that you will see – governments potentially be able to take there is oh everyone's desperate just like when people were desperate when the pandemic hit they gave everyone fourteen hundred dollar checks and didn't ask any questions about where the money was coming from because people fucking needed it so now we're in a desperate situation they go oh just sign up for the central bank digital currency you know that dollar in your pocket it's still worth something but this is gonna be the next thing so just get started and people go well fuck yeah sign me up like that that desperation will out of necessity will get the 60 year old grandma yeah. To have to figure it out, and she's got the backstop of the government yep. being the one to help her through the process. So, you know, okay, and my bill's paid. We're cool. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, what's that? You know what? My, my grandson was talking about that, that Bitcoin thing. Yeah, this is the same shit, right? Like, that's how they're going to think about it. It's, it's going to be interesting, man, to see how it plays out. Because also, the there's our government is... Uh, for all intents and purposes here, very old. And this is a very new thing. So that's a fear as well. It's like how they handle it and the people that get involved to help make those decisions. Can you imagine like Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer sitting <laughs> in the room talking about digital currency? No. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I don't personally want to be in some of these rooms that they're talking about this stuff. I think the flies on the wall in there are going to die of stupidity attacks yeah, on their brain time. cells. Big I time. mean, if flies even – they have brain cells, right? Good question. I'm not a, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. Same shit. But like it's just – you think about the people. The, the last two presidents have been in their 70s. Yeah. You know, like – yeah. Who do I got to fuck for a 50-year-old? In a space where we're talking about hopping into a metaverse and Facebook's working on uh, – actually, bro, I saw uh, a recent article came out that a company out of either China or Japan – I'm not sure. I don't want to misspeak on that. But they're creating ways that you can actually physically feel pain while wearing an Oculus headset, for example, in VR, AR. Haptics. Yes, but it's one step further because yeah. haptics, it's like you don't necessarily feel pain don't at feel the end pain, of that. Yeah feel in general yeah so they're already working on the next level of it oh yeah oh yeah been working on it <sighs> that's fucking scary man it is so it's gonna be very uh next few years are gonna be very interesting I how think. do you how do you think about innovation like let me expand that's a really dumb that question broad. on broad but like expanding upon that you'll see people who talk about hiding down in in the bunker no pun intended for this place <laughs> Shout out to avoid <laughs> that's not this kind of bunker, the name of the studio. But you'll see people who are talking about avoiding the perils of the future and all that. And, you know, the same people who are talking on landline phones today and don't own anything, let alone a flip phone or something like that. And it's like, well, that's that's not the way to go. I, technology is so useful. It's a part of what has helped with human longevity, connectivity. Yep. Uh, De-escalating conflicts, as hard as that is to believe sometimes, uh, it's sometimes. significantly better than at world any point in world history right now. So it, it's a beautiful thing, and I love technology, and I'm always looking at the new shit, including the stuff that worries me. Yeah. And I try to look at it from my seat in a way of like, imagine if it were 1950 and I was thinking about the ideas of what became what we have now. You know, would I be terrified of it? Well, there'd be a few things I probably don't love. True. You know, there's certainly become some free speech issues, potentially online, things like that. But things that I think over the long term, people will figure out. When you start talking about what's human, though, versus what's still human or not human. Trying or, to be human. Exactly. That's when I start to go, all right, I want to look at all this. And I want to be very aware of it. And I want to adopt where I can just to experience to see what it is. But I get scared on a grand scale across communities around the world. Sure. How once it starts to rip like the first domino across society, everyone gets into it. And then the things that become habit make us lose the things that make it great to be alive. I totally agree with that, which to be honest – is a big thing with like our brand and what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're starting in Web3, but ultimately we're going to be in Web2 and Web3 because as much as the metaverse exists and all the stuff that we're doing in there, I still live in the physical world. I still want to do shit in the physical world. I still want to go outside, toss the baseball with my dog. I still want to smell and see grass, you know? So it's like, it's interesting though because you could also compare that to like realistically anything, like the nuclear bomb. If yeah, it, all it takes is one wrong scientist to you know yeah shut up. Um, to get it in the wrong hands and do something horrible with. So it's like at the end of the day, as scary as it is, you're investing in the people to hopefully do right with the new technology that's getting spun out, like Elon Musk and Norlink, right? Like that could also spin out into a terrible situation. But 
based on his track record and things he's done, you you know, you kind of see that he's trying to push towards the goal of doing good by humanity. So it's like just putting the trust in the people at the end of the day because that's always going to be an issue with tech or medicine or whatever it is. Yeah, and Elon Musk is a such an interesting example in the middle of that because you know, I'm a huge fan, you're a huge fan. A lot of people love him and and he does what he does for the good of humanity. That's that's his stated goal. And you know, people who don't know him, we have to take him at our own judgment what we can see, but I I think the guy's really cool. Hope I'm right about that. <laughs> you and know. no, no, I don't. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I hope I'm right about that cuz I don't know him. Sucks. But yeah, it'd be cool to talk to him one day and get a feel for where he's at. But, you know, it doesn't change the fact that, and he recognizes this, that there is a heaviness to the types of things that he's looking to create. And to his credit, he's also the first guy to point out for the spaces themselves, like the full industries of like AI and things like that. Yo, we need to think about this. That's why I like him the most is because he doesn't just play um, super optimist. He also plays devil, devil's advocate at the same exact time. Which, when you're trying to build a company and do the crazy shit that he's trying to do, you should have that in mind. Sure. I I think too many... I think within tech, we have too many brilliant people. It's not all of them at all, but Mm -hmm. all it takes is a a few in powerful positions. We have too many brilliant people who are either completely hostage to what they view as the inevitable and therefore don't care, and or are hostage to the money slash power that comes with the things that they can create. And the the worst person is the latter rather than the former. But the pessimistic person that makes up the first of those two, the former, you know, being somebody who looks at this like, oh, it's inevitable. Th- there is a way to be responsible about building technology that makes the human race better in my opinion you know so like i try to separate it all out and look at everything on the surface for what it is but you know maybe now's a good time to talk about web3 because you are building to to like be in that but you know we see a big buzzword like that come out mainstream let's say like a year ago something like that it started to gain speed in, in 2021 in in the general public but you know, I start to think of it in the same lens that I look at like AI, like, wow, there's some really cool shit that's going to come out of this. How do we maintain a level of of control over it as like a species? So the hardest thing to me with Web3 is that almost nobody from what I can tell can really conceptualize it. I've I've read the the Twitter thread from Sean Puri. Purry, I, I never know how to say that, on here a few times, so I'm not going to read that right now. I think he probably did the best job of anyone where he was talking specifically about the metaverse and how he thinks that everyone has it wrong and it could be like an access point more than anything, which I tend to agree with. But when you're, Wait, what do you mean by an access point? So I almost got to pull up the thread because he put it so beautifully. But he was saying like, you know, our world of what we used to do we used to play games outside now we play video games with each other we used to 
care about what we looked in in front of each other. Now we can throw on Instagram filters and it matters what you look like on there and all these different things. He said, we've already been moving digital. So the metaverse isn't necessarily going to be a time or a place. It's going to be an, an experience. And he didn't, he didn't use this word, but, or this phrase like access point, but that's essentially what he was saying. He's like, the metaverse will be your ticket. Right. So like when uh, we were talking about the simplest example, like, oh, your ticket to the, to the concert or something yep. like that, you have to have an NFT to get it there or something like that. Like that's that's how he looked at it. It's not going to be, oh, everyone just buys houses in digital real estate somewhere and throws on goggles and lives in the matrix. He doesn't think it's there, at least like over the next 25, which I hope he's right about that. Sure. But like when you're looking at this as someone who's building a potential access point to the metaverse, like what's your – what are your fears of what Web3 can be? And then I want to talk about your – let's be positive. Let's talk about your hopes with it. Well, I guess the fear is like taking advantage because in a space where a lot of people are new but a lot of people are crypto native but not necessarily metaverse native, um, it's easy to take advantage of people in this space, especially in an anonymous world. You're hiding behind a profile picture. Your Twitter name is – I love kittens 47 and your profile picture is a cat. Um, it's very, it's very easy to come in, take money or just honestly coerce people to try to do something because it is so new and everyone right now, it's kind of like the mentality is almost like spray and pray. You're just hoping that one of the projects you get involved with hits. And when that happens, there's a lot that get pulled out from under you. So that's kind of, my biggest thing is is taking advantage of people right now because there's a lot of bad actors in the space, but there are also some really, really, really good people. So it's kind of just up to, the, like I said earlier, kind of up to the people to rally together and make sure that as a collective, we come together and push this space forward. Because as much as like we preach decentralization and all that stuff in Web3, we really operate in like silos, which is unfortunate because in the Web2 startup world, Anytime I connect with someone and I ask them for help or ask them for a question, even when they ask me for help or a question, we pick up our phone and try to call anyone who we think can help or be of service to that person. Mm. In this space, it feels very gated right now, even though our whole push is towards decentralization. So, for example, like Discord hacks are um, a big thing right now. And I wouldn't even call them hacks. It's more of like compromised. Um, yeah, what's been going on there? So there's been a lot of different use cases from a social engineering standpoint. It's not necessarily, like I said, a hack. People aren't coming in and exposing Discord flaws. They're more so social engineering with um, project communities that have Discords. So what they'll do is, um, for example, recently we had a Discord hack, and we traced back as much as we possibly could to try to figure out what happened. And from what it seems is... Smiles, Denny. Smiles, yes. Our Discord got compromised. Um, we had... If you're looking to search the web privately and not have all these websites track you when you leave, check out my friends over at Privato VPN. Privato is the VPN company that gives you full privacy while not losing you any speed, and it allows you to use the product on multiple devices at the same time. So you can be using it on your laptop and your phone, and you get the full experience, and everything's great. Privacy, speed, multiple devices, that's all you need. So if you use the link in my description, you will see the Privato landing page. It is my landing page with their site. And on that page, you will see a $4.99 a month plan. It's the same one I use. You're going to love it, so check it out. One of our team members 
basically lose access to their account and it was compromised by a bad actor, whoever this person was. So they have a dev shop outside of Smiles where they work with a lot of different projects to kind of build smart contracts and do things uh, for them. The first thing you do when you get approached by a community to work for them, even me personally, because I've been approached to be advisor of a few uh, projects coming up. First thing you do is go and interact with the community and see what they're about, whether that be on Twitter or Discord or here or there. So they basically sent him an invite to their Discord server. And usually when you join a Discord, there's like a verification bot to make sure that you're not a bot that's going to come in and hack right. the Discord. It's like their own capture kind of. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah, like a capture bot. So he got sent the server invite. And when he went to join the server, there was this capture bot that popped up that he had to fill out to do. But really, the capture bot was a fake bot that then went in and hacked your account. And then you basically gave access to this bot and they controlled. And then in our server, he had certain privileges where you could post in certain channels. How did you guys fix that? We had um, a Discord security specialist come in and basically rip apart our entire server. Roles, permissions, channels, everything. And tighten everything up. So you were just essentially able to like reset who was allowed to do what? Yes, yes. But luckily for us, like a couple projects have been exposed to really big ones where their community members have lost half a million to a million dollars. Luckily for us, well, it's still an unfortunate situation, but we only had um, 13 people impacted, so they didn't lose that much money at the end of the day. Hmm. But maybe, still. Maybe like a to look at this more broadly though and you can bring in whatever context with examples you want but like what what is when someone says web 3 like what is it to you decentralization i think is the biggest thing um power isn't necessarily controlled by one person or one entity it's distributed across the community members which from a, I guess, innovation standpoint, kind of, in my opinion, increases the longevity of, of an industry because if a company goes down, it's really, at the end of the day, powered by the people. So the people will always exist as long as the industry is there. Hmm. It's a really good, like, succinct answer. I, I ask people this these days, and some people who are even, like, very smart innovators will look at me and be like, I don't fucking know, man. Well, that's the thing, bro. If you asked me two weeks ago, my answer would have been totally different. You asked me again in, in a month, two months, it'll be a different answer. Yeah, because, I mean, if NFTs are still not arrived at the stadium, I mean, you know, what do we even say about Web3? It's like, it can happen fast, and it will. Like, it'll be slowly, and then all of a sudden. And in a way, we could be in the middle of that and not know it right now. But, again, like, I, I'm trying to look at this with the same lens of both pros and cons that i look at like ai which we've at least been looking at for longer because we we can concept for what sure. that is and everything but you know look in fairness to ai you know the only thing i think we've probably gotten a little out of control that we see in the public there's certainly some things behind the scenes but you know the the only thing that's probably not been great as of this point on a day-to-day -day basis for the average person is like algorithms, you know, because algos are a, a simple kind of AI, but you know, we know what it's doing to people. You know, I, when I look at people and, and opinions, they sprout if they're on one of the two extremes, Yeah, I try to sit here and imagine what their, what their Twitter feed looks like, or like imagine what their Facebook feed or Instagram <coughs> feed looks like. 
And I'm just thinking to myself, that machine knows exactly what it's doing. It's pretty crazy because I had um, an interesting experience with a couple of friends recently where I came across a post that was sponsored. And I've never seen anything like that on my page before on Instagram. I sent it to this group and one other person. And then literally for the next week, that's all these posts that I saw. And like, I wasn't opening my Instagram in public because it was a vulgar uh, photo <laughs> that I shared with the boys. And uh, yeah, that's all I saw for a week. It's, After it's, sharing two posts, like the two people, bro. Uh, and it listens to you, you know, when you say something around your phone. Our phones aren't right now because they're on airplane mode, but like my <laughs> laptop's listening. Yep. It's creepy, man. There's always someone on the other side. <laughs> There's always someone on the other side. And like, we always have to remember that the governments around the world, powerful governments, they have backdoor access to all this shit. Yeah. You know, America's a, a, a free democracy in that way. I know there's a lot of people fighting over stuff these days, but by and large, you know, we're by far the best with that around the world. Other countries aren't, you know, like how about living in Russia right now? <laughs> you know, how, how, what's, what's their government using on their people to watch things? I'm curious to see how the quote unquote, big air quotes, decentralized web three <laughs> will be bastardized in a non-decentralized way. And I'm speaking in really broad, bold terms right now. I, I know that. But, like, by governments, you know, whether it be, like, the CBDCs and stuff we talked about, you know, with, with currency, which is the most powerful example, or other things, you know? Like, is 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 Congress going to drop an NFT in a year? <laughs> like, is anyone going to buy it? The Constitution's getting minted. Yeah, yeah. Like that's where it starts to get to Well baby, where where do we where do we put the uh put the rabbit back in the hat here? I some of that is a little little creepy to me, but at the same time, like it's double speak, I understand that, so it's hypocritical to say, but y you can only control what you control. The 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 crowds are gonna take it where they take it. Yeah, and then it's I don't know, I guess in this space like I said kinda earlier, we're 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 a little bit away from full decentralization, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like, even Bored Apes, uh, we talked about it earlier, but they raised $450 million. Who'd they raise it from? Venture capitalists. So even now, Yuga Labs, you know, it's not a fully decentralized company. But again, in some capacity, you need that for, especially in this space, the speed of innovation that everyone anticipates. Well, you were down in Miami with some rather powerful venture capitalists a few weeks ago. It's a good time. It's a good time. Good people. So what kinds of things were they asking you? What, where, where does their, cause again, you were with some of the tops, of the tops here, the founders fund guys, among others, like where's their head at with NFTs and, and what, what innovation are they looking forward to? They're honestly trying to get an understanding of how the communities operate, which mm. I, found, I found very interesting because they're not necessarily saying, okay, I see X amount of returns and X amount of gains in X amount of time. They're really trying to get an understanding. So I guess from their perspective, they can better choose what companies and projects to invest in so they can kind of see, all right, what's going on right now isn't necessarily what's going to be going on in the next year or two, right? Like so many new people to the space. I think the last metric I saw was like 
700,000 active wallets or something like that. Put it in perspective, Coinbase has millions of users on their platform. So all it's taking is that one next thing to really open the door to the masses. 700,000 in America. I believe so. Still, that's really low. It's extremely low. That's really There's low. There's 300 and X amount million of people. That's really low. Like, that's the shit that scares. That's Look at how ripe <clears throat> it is still. It can flip on a dime, but look at how ripe it is for like a CBDC to come in. Yep. So that's why it's like, it's very scary. It's very scary, especially with like the DAOs coming out and passive income through some of these projects, you know. You start toying with the space of, okay, is this a security? Is it not a security? And then do you want to, A, spend the money with the legal team to venture down that route to see if you can figure out how to properly do it? Or do you just say, let's see what the government, uh, kind of how fast they move and what they implement? Well, the thing that you guys have managed to avoid in the NFT space to this point, and I don't think there's been close calls with it. And again, it's been like roughly a little over a year here. Don't jinx us. Of a run. <laughs> Knock on wood. But, like, the last time I remember a mad rush towards something within a greater space, so, like, for example, within a greater space of crypto, was the ICO movement yeah. in late 2017 into 2018. Yep. And what we saw is that it killed it, right? Like, ICOs couldn't exist after that. It was, like, a dirty word. Now, what's weird is that when you look at NFTs, it's kind of been, like, reborn with some of the tokenization so to speak yep. within there in a different way but similar idea even dealing with eth and all that I, I understand it's different but you still see parallels to that like it almost was resurrected in a, in a small way but either way the the projects like sloan was working on yep. that he was building you know legit guys like that in the space had this giant sucking sound happen where it didn't matter how long you've been in it like him or what a great innovator you were if you were attached to anything near that, you're fucked, right? So that was because there was an enormous bear market. And we haven't, you know, there's been over the last year, we've seen probably two main stretches where we saw, for example, let's say like the price of ETH go way down, at least by a percentage basis over a month, something yep. like that. So I'd say like late last spring into summer and then pretty recently as well. But have you had any throw up moments while that's going on or has there been anything where you've seen worrying signs of people in the community revealing their ass and just kind of like being like, Oh fuck this. I knew it wasn't going to work and, and leaving. Or do you see a lot of, a lot of people who are bought into this space? I'm not just talking about innovators, although that's important. I'm talking about like literally people who are just partic market participants. I mean, the reality is in anything right now, no matter what your project is, no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be FUD. And for the people at home who aren't crypto native, FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, um, which is a common theme in the crypto space, just because, again, it's so new. So no matter what you're doing, you're always going to experience some capacity of that FUD happening. Um, but for the most part, man, I'm just, I'm, I, I joke with Waheed, but I think maybe it's the Jersey in us. We got thick skin. Uh, that stuff doesn't really weather me because I know we know what we're building towards and what's in the future, what's to come over the next few weeks, what's to come over the next six months. And I'm very confident that we'll execute on that stuff. So what goes on right now, I'm head down building. Yeah, I'll say my, and this is just my two cent perspective from the outside talking with you, but you as a company 
started to really make these steps, like what's on your sweatshirt right there in front of you and making deals with Coinbase and some of the other places we can talk about. Maybe a month and a half after launch, something like that. And it was directly, looking back on it now, it was directly correlated but between the time when you stopped fucking mentioning the floor to me and being worried about that and, and people being mad at you. Now, I understand, mm-hmm. you know, you're running a company, price for your, you're worried about your shareholders. It's a, very, it's a great trade and you should keep that. But like, you know, I think a lot of these projects, just looking at it from 30,000 feet in the air, get so caught in just doing something for the sake of doing it because they're looking at their fucking floor price every day. Oh my God, the floor price is down like 0, 0, 0.05 mm-hmm. ETH. We're fucked, right? You didn't get stuck in that. And then you started to let actions do the talking, and it's correlated with why you know your overall levels. We we know it goes up and down, yep. but like your levels are are higher than they were then. Your legitimacy as a project, your not just your followings, but like your brand awareness, things like that. It's at a much higher level because you're focused on the business of what are we building here versus just price watching every day. And it's it's a very very hard thing to do but in your seat. It's very hard, and I think a lot of project founders do get caught up in that because. It's the attention economy right now, especially as <clears throat> the volumes of projects that are launching, bro, it's 10, 20, 30 every day. It's it's hard to keep up. So we're all fighting for the collector's attention, which as I mentioned, you know, there's X amount of wallets right now that are active in the US. So that's a very small, limited number of people that every single project is essentially trying to tackle. So and even, you know, when you do do something with the attention economy, it's it's once you drop something, it's okay. It's hyped up for a week, maybe a week and a half. Then it's what's next. It's old. Yeah. Then it's what's next. And, you know, coming from Web2 and even doing business with some Web2 companies in this space, the reality is these things take time. You can't spin up a Coinbase partnership in three days. You can't develop a uh, merchandise in, in two days, especially if it's, if it's high quality. Um, so these things take time. And like I said, we know what we're doing. We know what we're building towards. I know that we can all weather the storm of some of these things and just wait for this next big thing to come out. The difference between web two and web three though, looking at the time period where web two was being mm-hmm. built and the time period where web three is being built now is you by nature of the business model as well within web three, within NFT specifically, you have to innovate in front of the crowd. You have constant access 24 seven to your community behind you. So every one of them can hit you up publicly in front of everyone else and say what the fuck yep on a whim whereas you know when they're building facebook they were doing it in a dorm yeah, no exactly. one was talking to them the most they got is when they had investors come into them those are the people who bothered them and it's behind closed doors right so it's way way different for you to have to way deal different. with that in this era way different i mean you know i'm coming from startups and some of the startups that i've worked for <clears throat> we're in stealth mode so no one knows what's going on but in this space the minute your project sells out you are now running a publicly traded company and that was the biggest shakeup for me in the beginning. And honestly, well, you too. Like the whole thing was a learning process. And even right now, we're still learning because new things come up every single day. But I think the biggest thing that we have going for us in that standpoint is we're very, one, we don't hide from anything. If right. something doesn't go well, we're the first to talk about it, even if we shouldn't be sometimes. And you know this. But I think that at the end of the day, <clears throat> people take notice of that. Because yeah, you guys handled that one really well in November. Yeah, there was a, a couple times, but 
like I said, we're not hiding. The minute we do it, we're in the public because that's what they want. They want to air things out at the end of the day. Well, that starts okay. with the founders, though, too. 100%. That's, your, that's a big credit to you, too. 100%. And that's what we built this whole thing on was trust and transparency. The balance to that is how you learn how to, for the right reasons, not as a dick, mm-hmm. not as, oh, fuck you. I am who I am. You are who you are. Not like that learn how to drown out some of the day-to-day without – it's a weird dance without drowning it out. And you know, for people listening right now who are in the Smiles community, you know, if you're someone who talks all the time in Discord, is throwing ideas out there, is looking for results, stuff like that, you know, perfectly fine. But when you went to Art Basel, you were telling me right after – or I think while you're still down there, you're like the conversations you've been having with other – communities or not communities other founders of other projects were that a lot like some of the successful ones were telling you that they were starting to just kind of like on a day-to-day feed the community a few things when they tell them their concerns are heard but focus on the things behind the scenes and then bring it right to the community as it's happening so that they could show them results and that is also correlated with when i started seeing you do this too mm-hmm. where you guys started to get results because you weren't so focused on oh my god you know fucking whoever the fuck 69 just tweeted <laughs> out that you know we we haven't done this thing and if we what how are we going to answer this right now they just put something on the discord in general you know what i mean it you will go mad you will if it's, you're thinking like that all the time it's just like you in the podcast world you can't be reading all the comments even though i'm sure and sometimes you do but i i, I have fun with them because i yeah, recognize 95 percent of them are always going to be negative. but that took time i'm sure that didn't happen from the start that and, actually happened from the start for me I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> it's a different world. It's not like your world, though. My it comments is. don't matter. Like, they're not yeah. directly correlated to the yeah. price. They're correlated to audience, but the audience, it's different, man. It's mm-hmm. not It's not as high stress as your world. Yeah. Straight up. Yes. And that's something I don't think gets talked about enough either is the stress in this space because outside of being now essentially operating a publicly traded company, you're also in a space that doesn't sleep. And they expect the team behind you to not to sleep either. So... I mean, we've been doing this since September, I guess. Is like I said when we, I guess, started building August, September. I feel like I haven't slept yet, you know. And just all the stuff that we keep doing and the events here, events there, it's very tough, and it definitely takes a strain on you. But you know, for me, it's shout out to my team because they're the rocks behind everything that you know, kind of keep the gel there and pull everything together, um, and just allow us to kind of get that space. And that's one of that's been like the most weightlifting thing is now going to some of these events that we have like south by southwest and knowing that the team is in place with the right people to then continue to run the things that we need to run um and not necessarily be relying on wahid or i or one of the core um initial founding members yeah we talked about it briefly at the beginning south by southwest but to go Mm -hmm. back to that like what did you guys do down there for smiles we talked about like lightly a couple of the other things like you saw down there but what about you guys uh so we did an event on march 18th in collaboration with uh the cryptoon goons community uh we <laughs> they sound like stand-up guys they're they're actually they're really dope people uh they kind of you know i love the names yeah, yeah you know i love the names but uh they have a dope artist behind them he's like a, a tattoo artist in the real world right now mm. but they're very focused on like kind of streetwear and stuff like we are and i really like their animations it's honestly like a kind of mickey mouse style uh type character mm. so it's dope but um we did an event with them we rented out a bar called halcyon uh we had live screen printing going on 
huge projector kind of running through animations that we've done, like we talked about earlier, some of the stuff they have. Had uh, a wall displaying our NFTs. We had a DJ in there, open bar for a little bit. Um, it was a really good time. We probably have had about 100 to 125 people come through. Uh, so it was just dope, man. It was really cool to get to shake hands with you know people I've talked to for so many months and this being our first real in-person event. Yeah, because you've done like some company stuff, <clears throat> obviously. You've done like... Did you said the complex con? But that was even early. We had no holders then, so it was right. just people. That's who've what I'm been saying. Like people you us. work with, yeah, yep. or people who know, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the next step is is really pulling off like what Board Ape has done, like with Ape Fest and everything. We started a little bit. So March 19th, the following day after the Crypto and Goons event, we rented out a spot called um, Vulcan Gas Company. Joe mm-hmm. Rogan's played there. Like a lot of big comedians go there from uh, for Austin. And it's 600-person venue. Um, we had some really dope artists come through, some really cool DJs, Tropics. Um, he's an NFT. is as kind of making his name in the NFT space from a DJ standpoint. Rhea Raj, um, Swank. And then we kind of had some main acts uh, with Elijah the Boy out of New York, who's starting to get up and running too. And then uh, Smokey Margell. That was fucking he, – he killed it. Everyone that came through killed it. We probably had about 400 to – at least the last check we got was like 415 people to come through throughout the night. So it was just really cool. Two levels, porch outside. VIP and you shot section. a few people outside too. <laughs> so unfortunately, there was also a shooting outside. The event. Not smile sanction. It was not smile no. sanction. Luckily, we were wrapped up before that. Um, there's been a couple issues throughout the week, apparently, in Austin. So it was. Uh, just happy the event went well and we got out of there before anything. You got out of there before the bullets wrong. started flying. Yes. Not bad. It was interesting. What's what's the next in real life plan? NFT NYC in Ooh. June, I believe the dates. We're going to blow it up for is that, sure. Is that a weekend? It is. You know, unfortunately, the dates that NFT events are set up, they're not, they're not the best. I believe it's like a Monday, Tuesday or something. Yeah, fuck it. We're going to NFT LA uh, at the end of this week, which actually... Um, we are pushing live a grant proposal system, which is we're taking an allocation of our funds, putting it aside to fund community events and community initiatives that they would want to do, whether it be, you know, spinning up a coffee line, something like that. Um, so the people have, get to decide. The people get to decide. Well, they'll submit a proposal and then we as a team come together and see if it makes sense for us as a brand to do. Mm, that's pretty cool. And we're preempting that with our first community. Um, well, Funded event created by the community. Shout out Stock Disick in the Discord on Twitter. Stock Disick. Stock Disick. He's a homie. Um, uh, but I love the names. He has been a rock star. Came to us with this full plan. Thank you, sir. You got it. Came to us with this full plan. A bar in downtown LA rented out. DJ's coming through. Uh, drinks, everything set up, ready to go. So we're going to preempt our grant proposal system with our first community uh, event. Mm. And then we got something, I'm not going to say it yet, but we got something coming that we're going to do. You can't do that. Because I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen yet. We're still like well, figuring it out. if you put it on the record, now there's pressure for it to happen. But the episode won't be out by then. What? No, the episode's still going, we're doing this early, but it's still going out in like 12 days. NFCLA is uh, top of the week. Oh, you're talking about there. Sorry. Yep. I wasn't yep. thinking on that. Yep. How many days is that? Like three, four days? Three days, 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, four days. How is LA right now? 
I'm gonna be honest, bro. I love LA. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? But it's still like. Uh, I believe they list, lifted the mask mandates for the most part. I don't think That's you have to good. show your vax card anymore, so it's starting to get quote unquote back to normal. That's good. It's such a great place. It's like the people are hungry out there. That's what I love. Like the people in your space, or just the people in general. Both, honestly, because some of the meetings that we have out there aren't specifically Web three companies. Can you but talk, it's just, can you talk about some of the people you've been meeting? I can't with? yet. <laughs> I can't yet. But uh, can't talk about Shmami. I don't know who that is, but uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's just they're very. I don't know. They're willing to learn, which is different. Like in a lot of these spots, the hustle's there, but people are like very fixed on what they want to do. They kind of have horse blinders on, which is good <laughs> in some capacity. But in approaching us, a Web3 company that's a new space, you got to spend time. You got to understand what we're doing. You got to understand what we're going to plan to do or how the space operates right now. So they're hungry and ready to move, but they're also spending the time with us to curate something that's really dope, not just trying to rush the market. Mm. Now, what types of things, like you've talked about things that are like crypto platforms, like Coinbase, mm. obviously, you talked about some fashion stuff, but you can talk about more of that too. And I guess like some video game stuff, but I don't know how deep we got into that. Like what other types of verticals, industries, I should say, I guess, are you guys talking with slash like who's been reaching out heavy? And again, you don't have to say names, but what kinds of projects? Clothing and uh, clothing brands and uh, honestly, sports teams, leagues, stuff mm. like that. Um, what do they want? A lot. It's it's really centered around like I, what we're focused on is fashion because at the end of the day, that's what separates us from a lot of the other projects. You can zoom in like you talked about. Zoom in, see the thread, almost see the fucking thread count in some of these things. Which... And on top of Wahid's insane designs and different, uh, you know, clothing that he does, like his last one of one that he dropped, created a backpack that with the backpack has a hood attached to it. You wouldn't know, but it looks fucking sick. Mm. And that's something I haven't seen yet. So it's like, that's our big competitive advantage here. And I think people are starting to realize that. And kind of um, as we build out our runway, that's that'll kind of come full circle. You can kind of like, because you've talked about building a, a fashion brand in the digital world here, but maybe now we can actually expand upon that. Like you can kind of already see the tracks on what you guys are doing as far as like you will, because you're led by a great creative mind and a great artist, somebody who concepts a statue from the rock, right? You're going to be able to get, you already are get really creative with shit to start your own movements. And I overuse this example, but I will always go back to it just because they did it over such a long period of time and just totally changed how people looked at not just streetwear, not just fashion, but like community around brand. And that's Supreme. You know, they did it in the physical world, starting as like a skateboarding fashion, offshoot fat fashion brand. Yep. Obviously always focused on what became the streetwear industry and things like that. But they made that fucking that red supreme right there, they made that this status symbol. And I think you guys, like when when you talk about that, you're already wearing a physical status symbol of something with your brand right now that you've done. You can morph, you can take that Sean Pori concept at its surface and morph 
the digital and physical worlds with your own form of supreme, as I said, maybe Board Ape's trying to do. Maybe they don't pull it off like that. They do it kind of their own way. You do it your own way too, but you, I guess the race is to become the one, the thought leader, the culture leader, the what are they doing that is now going to set the standard? Like mm. they're waiting on you guys to mm. drop it, whatever it is. Like, is that how you think about it? In some capacity, but like... Even the board apes, I guess, in in some way they're targeting like streetwear. But at the end of the day, it's you only see here up. So really, what are you dressing? You know, as they move forward, you, you'll get the full body and stuff like that. But ours is off the rip, a full body right. character, and you have t shirts, you have headspace, you have socks, shoes, pants. Um, and as we kind of build, I said it already, but the runway. Um, if you're not familiar with it, but the runway is essentially. A 3D editor you can go onto on our platform, and when you log in with your MetaMask, which is your crypto wallet, on your platform, on our website, explain to people what that means. On our website, okay. So it'll just be a quick integration. Connect with your crypto wallet. It'll populate the NFT that you own, and then every time we do a physical merch drop, we'll also drop it as a digital NFT, which then you'll be able to swap the traits on your character with the new merch that you just bought. Because for us, you mentioned rarity earlier. We're not, we don't have an official rarity scale on any website or anything because we have like construction vests in our, in our collection and people are buying those pieces because they resonate with it. That's what, even if there's more available, so to speak, exactly. than of other things. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. that's what they wear and say they're nine to five jobs. So who am I to say, yo, you wear this in your nine to five. So it's worth less than someone else's gold skin or something like that. Yeah. So people are buying pieces that they resonate with, not necessarily tied to any rarity scale. And so that makes it, that's why the art makes a difference, man. But also like physical merch, you're not buying a hoodie or a shirt that you don't want to rock. You're going to rock it because you vibe with it and that you resonate with it. So if you can do that in a physical world, you should absolutely be able to do that in a digital. It's going to be interesting to see how that looks because I, I mean, on the surface, it is as simple as dressing your avatar in yeah. the space, right? But how does what we create to be worn in the digital world translate to what I hate to use this word, but what will remain of the physical world, you know, like I, sometimes I feel like as everything gets more complex and society gets more advanced and more and more problems spike up because different groups of people have different priorities. And then, you know, you see wider trends like the wealth gap separating out so many people in society to where, you know, there, there can be times of like lack of hope people people turn to things that give them their own comfort that give them a reason to have their own identity in a world of a crowd right and that's why fashion in the instagram era that's a very correlated thing for sure has become this i mean it's like peacocked right when we looked at fashion not to take anything away from it but when we looked at trends 15 years ago the range that we would see was nowhere remotely close to what we see now across every type of style and, and every type of person. And so as people start looking at digital characters is totally different. Like I'll give you an example and this isn't, I guess it, yeah, it is a fashion statement, but like he has the one trait in there where the character has, I forget what it's called, but like the, uh, 
the vinyl thing sticking out of his back, like oh, out yeah, of his backpack. The, the old school record player. Right? Yeah. Now that looks insane. Yeah. It also looks like it's pretty heavy because it's off a literal like vinyl record player and all that. But like something at first thought ridiculous like that, people could fuck with in the metaverse and then be like, yo, I'm going to get a backpack with that in the real world. And you guys could lead that movement by creating the designs. And by the way, to bring it full circle, what have fashion brands been working off of for the last 15 years or so when they start with something new? They're designing it on a computer yep. and they're testing out how it is. You get to do that with the people actually getting to see it while you're fucking doing it. Yep. It's been, it's, it's, it's something special for sure. And it's, it's also like you get to create very new things because you're not bound essentially to what you can do in the physical world, which then pushes you even further when you go to try to create this clothes in the physical mm. world. That's a good way to put it. You're also like a really good guy to speak with about this because, and you mentioned this a little bit, but mm. like to expand upon it, like you are truly someone as your friend, I can attest to this, who lives so heavily in the physical world. I mean, I bother you about moving to New York all the time, and you look at me like I have ten heads. You're like, no, nah, I gotta live on a farm, room for my dog, my dog to fucking run. I'm like, no, 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 no. Go to Manhattan. Like, we, we gotta do this right. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. You know, like you love nature and all this I shit and whatever, and you're somebody who disconnects a lot too. Like, you just kind of go out there and do your thing, and yet you're at the forefront of like a very extremely forward looking futuristic industry in this way in in the very earliest stages building things that are entirely new concepts so much so that even people in their mid-20s who are just older than the youngest kids can't even fucking process this and yet you know you're doing that as someone who isn't just the person as you said who was born with the phone in their hand looking at it you understand both values of of what the world has to offer between tech and physical world my question for you is how many people are really like that, though, in building this stuff? How many people really value that versus how many people are just excited to be in the comfort of an environment that now allows them to be disconnected from everyone but feel more connected than ever well, just because they're on a computer? I think that's what it is, though, is that people are just infatuated with what's going on right now that they just said, fuck it, let's just go head first into this. But the reality is, especially as someone trying to build a company in this space, you need that balance. Like you genuinely mm. do, because as I kind of said earlier, it's it's a very stressful space. So if you don't have that separation, you're going to go mad. You're going to go absolutely mad. And then also, in some capacity, just because the space is so small right now, things become an echo chamber. So if you're very deep in the metaverse, you're going to lose touch of reality. And, and honestly, all the things that got you into the space and you wanting to try all these things. How does that not happen, though? For the crowds, you're talking as a founder in that way, and I appreciate that because mm -hmm. that's important. But like the crowds or who adopts the average person i think the unfortunate answer is time because this is not sustainable mm. there's burnouts real so you can only do this for so many for so long so people are just gonna eventually see that but then also it's up to us as other founders in the space to kind of build something that does resemble and give you that freedom like whether it's you know you hop into a virtual world that's actually you and tahiti and you can meditate for an hour things that kind of bring you back and ground you in some capacity while living within the bounds of this digital world we're all building towards in the extreme scenario of that though in the future if you are doing that and you're just doing that for everything mm. and while you're 
in that world, it's like the Matrix. You're laying down in a fucking thing like this, and maybe you're 600 pounds because you never move all day every day in the real world. Like, how does that how does that translate? Does it translate to quality of life? Because everyone's per- like it has to. But how? If everyone's perfect, if you can build your most perfect thing, if like think about the heaven scenario. I'll extrapolate. I think about this a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the fuck goes on. Like all that. But sure. sometimes I think about it. Like, oh, is there like something after this whole thing? When you go there, whatever personal belief you subscribe to, there's a overall belief of the concept of like heaven, like, oh, it's a great place where everything's perfect and you know right. all that stuff. If everything's all good and you're conscious in that environment. How's it enjoyable? Because you don't have, like, what makes life great, as shitty as this is to say, isn't just the good. It's the fact that the good happens because awful shit happens on different levels. Whether it be, you know, you have a bad day because, you know, she broke up with you and you you didn't see it coming. Or, like, your whole family died in a car accident. Like, Mm. there's different levels of it. And obviously way more extreme in the second scenario. But these types of things have to happen to people, either happen to us and we die or something bad happens or happen to people around us that affects our vibe and how we look at things in the world in order for us to then understand what the high feels like. So if we don't have that in like a heaven scenario, I always wonder how that would go down or if there's just an extra power consciousness that allows it to not matter. I hope that's what it is. I assume that's what it is. But like in the real world, if you created that environment, how does that – how are people going to be happy in that? Bro, that is such a deep question. I didn't even smoke before this either. It's true. I need one. <laughs> That's a tough one. Because there's there's so many different ways it could go, ultimately. Like, we... I mean, that's kind of the scary part at the same time. We really don't know what's going to happen. But, again, like we were talking about earlier, you kind of got to just trust in the people that are building. And... <laughs> That's fucking scary. Trust Mark Zuckerberg? (laughs) No, of course not. But I believe in myself and I believe in some of the other people that I know are building something relatively similar to what they would want to do. How so? Like, at least I imagine Meta is is building their own metaverse, which they've already leaked from an Oculus standpoint and like seeing people and having conferences and stuff like that. But. I know that there's other people building towards that where I'm confident that they're not going to take it the wrong way. Um, mm. But again, it's a shot in the dark, right? Like, we don't actually know. And even the people that I do know in this space, I've only known them for, what, a year? So it's still, you know, at the end of the day, a risk that you are taking. But I don't know. I, I, I have, um, it's probably not a good thing, but I have a lot of faith in human beings, which I hope that will get there together i do too (laughs) that's why i keep that there because you know for people listening not watching right now you pointed at this earlier but i'll bring it up again i chose this very deliberately on this wall over here the picture of the bomb test at i forget how to pronounce the island's name but there was an island after world war ii because apparently we did this where we just bought it and we, it's no longer there. And then that's that was its last day on Earth right there because we blew up a nuclear bomb to test. Yeah. And you see the power of that. To yep. Say nothing of the bombs that we had to drop at the end. Well, yep. add to is a whole other thing, but that we dropped at the end of the war. And like we've managed here 
knock on wood <laughs> with recent shit, we managed to coexist across the world and not have that happen and mostly not have fears of it. And I wonder how that will translate to technology. And I share your opinion. I do have overall faith in humanity, even when we have the day-to-day negative stuff that happens that makes us question it. For sure. But the big endgame question there is what if technology but it's not even a what if like innovation is going to get to a point where it outthinks us nuclear bombs require us to hit a button for now right you know you build i don't even want to say a sentient machine but you build a machine like there was the Facebook example. I think we might have said this last time where they built two AIs, like yeah. basic AIs in, in the computers, like basic shit, four or five years ago. And they quietly pulled the plug and shut it down because they can. Like it's something you can just pull the plug on because the fucking computers invented their own language to talk to each other. Elon, if you're listening, put a kill switch in Neuralink. <laughs> <laughs> we need to know there's an exit. <laughs> what if Elon's the fucking mole? He's the alien here to send, to end humanity by acting like the man here to save it. Yep, yep. No, I mean, at the end of the day, man, I think by nature humans are programmed to do good. It's just an experience or something that they encounter along the way that throws a wrench in their thinking. So I think inherently we all want to do good and build a better future together. I think you're mostly right about that. I hope to God. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you are too. <laughs> yep. But like you can you can be right about that and also look at human history and know that it didn't turn out that way for people and nor does it on a daily sure, basis. Sure. Sure. You know? But the way you put it, like I don't know if you said these exact words, but you just said it, like the environments or the impeti, impetuses, whatever, around them shape them to not do good. Yep. And sometimes it can fuck them up so much that they think they're doing good mm-hmm. and they're really doing the worst shit ever. Yep. Like I really wonder that sometimes thinking about like Hitler. Like, did he actually think, did he actually think that, like, half the shit he did was good? Like, I don't even know how that's, there's a point, and that's the most ridiculous, one of the most ridiculous examples, but there's a point to which, can you be that brainwashed? I mean, you mentioned, look back on history, there's been a lot of, a lot of tribal, um, situations, so, I think it's safe to say, in some capacity, yes, but... Man, we just got to hope that we're all trying to do good at the end of the day. I know what I'm trying to do. I know what you're trying to do. So we could be outliers, but we could also be the masses. And let's hope to God there's a kill switch in there. Like That's what I'm saying. Like some sort of controls, some sort of tribe seeking or tribe supporting controls. Because like, like even talking with Jim Diorio on here yeah, a lot. And I, I think I talked with David Satter about this. I don't know if it was on camera or off, but when, when he was in here recently you know all it takes is if you have a room of 10 people at a well-placed organization so like with jim talking about the fbi or the cia you know his world well you just need one bad person in there you know so like he was involved talking with tim cook in the san bernardino iphone right thing and of course he wanted the fucking iphone 
to this day still says that. But he and I had a great conversation about it where he understood where I was coming from. And I'm not going to say he agreed with me, but he thought about it in a new way because I said, Jim, you wanted that iPhone. For people who don't know, this was the terrorist in San Bernardino in 2015. He killed all these people. He was then – I think he committed suicide or was killed at the end of it. The government wanted his iPhone because they believe it had information to protect lives at the end. And Tim Cook made a controversial but a decision that I laud to say you have to go through the courts to get it. I can't give it to you because if I do, it's a slippery slope. The next one, you'll ask me for someone lesser and lesser, and now I'm not protecting my user's privacy. So Jim – was angry about that mm -hmm. and he was trying he was talking with tim saying give me the fucking phone and i said i'm so glad he didn't give it to you because if there were i used the 10 guys thing i'm like if there were 10 guys in there and eight of them were half the man you are great what if the 10th one's not yep snowball effect too yeah if it's not this and it's going to spiral into something bigger at the end of the day and privacy is a big issue i mean we talked about the discord hacks uh earlier it came a report came out that there's been verified accounts on Twitter that have gotten hacked. And, and Ooh, what's going on there? Um, so there was a report. I vaguely read it, so I don't know the full logistics. But um, apparently, similar to the Discord hacks, there's been Twitter accounts that have a verified symbol that have gotten hacked. So then, obviously, if there's a verified symbol, in most cases, then not someone in the Twitter world thinks this is a legit person because you need to submit articles. You got to do all this to get verified. Right. Um, they ended up posting... Board Apes dropped in a, a coin about a week and a half ago. So riding the hype of that, they made a bunch of tweets saying, hey, we're giving away X amount of Ape coin if you purchase this pass. And then this pass was worth 0.3 ETH. So they got through a lot of people. And I think they took like 50 ETH or something like that, which is comparative to the other hacks kind of on the lower end. But still, at the end of the day, it's 150,000. Could have impacted a lot more people. Could be a little test, too could also be a little test because it was test. only at least uh, to my knowledge because those accounts were trying to like do it to myself too they would tag me in all these tweets and do all this stuff but i just knew like hey this is some shady business going on um but not everyone does so this could be something bigger i believe it was only four accounts but it could have been 10 it could have been 20 could have been 500 where at that scale you're losing millions i mean it kind of related to what you're saying i i don't I don't know why I didn't ask this earlier because you kind of brought it up, but also the problem within NFTs and Web3 that, I mean, at least I look at it as a problem, is this whole anonymity thing. You know, because like when you see a hack, as you were just laying out, it comes from a fake source or an anonymous source. And we've seen this is as old as time. This has been happening on every piece of technology ever yep. created that communicates. But in Web3, I'll tell you a thing that pisses me off is when projects are not doxxed. I don't fuck with that shit. I don't like it at all. I did not think what, what BuzzFeed did to the Bored Apes founders was professional. I, I didn't no. think that was right. But yeah, I'm fucking happy those guys are doxxed. That, that, in my opinion, there's no fucking way you should be anonymous and accepting shareholder money that's insane to well, me. that's the thing the the amount of money that's being thrown around it's very tough to go out there and just say hey i'm gonna trust this dude with a random profile picture that i've never met or know anything about um but it, you know for us i think that's an advantage that we have here i am on a podcast you know i'm i'm not hiding anything right and honestly we've had 
Because at the end of the day, like with some of these uh, new projects that come out, they're always looking for other existing projects to then give pre-sale spots to. So you can utilize the brand that's been created to now bring awareness to your upcoming project. Mm. But at the end of the day, that's essentially, you got to have to treat that as a partnership because you're attaching my brand to a project that hasn't minted yet, where who the fuck knows where it's going to go in a month, where it's going to go in six months, or they're just going to pull the plug and rug everyone, right? So for us, we implemented like a due diligence process. If you're not walking through these three, four, five steps that we need to do, we won't offer pre-sale spots. And one of them is hopping on a Zoom call with us. If you don't want to hop on a Zoom call with us, fine. We just won't be partnering with you to offer pre-sale spots to our community because that is a real fear. And the rugs are crazy, man. Every day there's a new one. And at the end of the day, I need to protect my brand. Again, though, you're one brand. And again, this is one aspect of one slice of the pie, right? NFTs. For everything, though. Like, maybe in a way some of it's hypocritical because I look at something like Bitcoin and love the fact that the guy who created it is is anonymous. Yeah. However... It's a decentralized system that puts control in the hands of the people and no one can take it over. So he doesn't get to make decisions on it. He does still own a big, he or sure. they, like if it's multiple people, they do own a big position in it, but it's not, ain't 50%, ain't 30% or whatever it is. You know, so in a, in a way that's like an exception I have because money is the most powerful thing in this life that ties people around the world together and the heaviness of a person who invents that like a person or like a small group of people who invents potentially a new money mm -hmm. for the rest of the world. That's, that's something I don't know that humanity could handle to know that information if they were inventing the space as they did right in that case. Cause like we know Vitalik invented sure. ETH and stuff like that. So yep. there, there's, it's like anything. It can age over time. But even with ETH, like that's something that gets held against it because it's like, oh, these people run it. There's something in for them, something in it for them. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the hypocritical exception there. But on a day-to-day, -day, like people communicating back and forth within these communities and on the internet and innovating and, and building things, I, you know, I don't think that's great that there's not a giant movement requiring identification. No, I mean, bro, we need to be very conscious of like, especially in, in <clears throat> my community, we have a lot of new people. Like when we minted, a lot of people didn't even know how to mint an NFT. We were walking them through how to do the process. So I'm very protective of these people because this was also me. Like right. I didn't come in knowing anything about this space or how to mint an NFT, what gas was, what a smart contract was, what any of this was. So for me, I'm very protective of those people. And in our community, for the most case, it's if you lose one ETH, that's like that fucks up their, their life. Like yeah. that's a couple months of rent for some of these people. Yeah. So if we're trying to achieve mainstream adoption, we need to be protective and make sure that people know where their money is going to, even though, say, maybe in a year, the project ends up not going anywhere. Right. But that's a risk you're taking. But at least know initially that it's it's as de-riskified as possible yeah i hope the communities <clears throat> like the the internet community ends up solving that problem by enforcing it in a way you know obviously you guys are enforcing that within your your own community which is great so that's that's a good start you guys are thought leaders at this point but we need to see it where people know who main users are i'm, I'm not saying that like 
you know, everyone who participates, like, for example, within the sh- within the stock market, you don't need to know which random Joe Blow is buying in a Schwab account. Yeah. I understand that. But I'm saying if you are moving serious money or building or things like that, there there needs to be accountability. And, you know, I'm, I'm just – that's one thing I'm, I'm going to be looking at heavy to see how that develops some more because you are going to continue to see it used for by bad actors for fraudulent purposes and you know when when people when the average person hears that who hasn't adopted huge red flag huge red flag huge huge and then even like all these hacks where i keep talking about it but like how are you going to expect the everyday person to come in when all you say is this going on you know it's right so it's really about us and there's some founders that we kind of have been coming together to make sure that you know we just share these thoughts share these ideas share the issues we're having and then try to come together and make a decision because it's not like this is just happening to one of us it's happening to all of us so we need to band together and make sure that we're doing what we can to push the space forward in a positive way and do what's best to really make this mainstream mm. who are some of the coolest founders of other projects that you've been able to connect with it, like Art Basel or even at South by, I know you mentioned the one who you did something with at South by, but like who are some leaders in the space that you've really liked? Um, Bobby hundreds. He's honestly just because we are striving towards similar goals, but obviously he got his start in web two. We're getting our start in web three. So we're kind of reverse engineering each situation here. Um, but his his you know the stuff that he shared has been amazing. Um, What's the full extent of his company for people out there listening? So the Hundreds is a streetwear brand that's been around for about two decades. Um, they really helped get streetwear mainstream, and now they're venturing into the NFT space with uh, Adam Bomb Squad, which is their project. I think it's about twenty thousand NFTs, fifteen thousand, um, and that's basically your access point <clears throat> into exclusive merch. Um, discounts on their public merch, stuff like that. Mm. <clears throat> and then with specific projects though? No. So they do their own merch drops. And no, no. I'm saying like with specific projects, like who are some, who are some guys who you've connected with? Who you oh think yeah, are, yeah. Are doing great. Betty from Deadfellas. Betty is amazing. Um, she's actually out of Australia, but she thinks very similar about the space, which I appreciate because you know. In a, in a new world, it's hard to find people that are kind of pushing towards this, the right goal that we're all trying to do. What's like the value prop of their project? Um, Deadfellas, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to speak on behalf of them. I just know kind of the things that they're doing and behind the scenes, like how Betty thinks about approaching things, which I appreciate a lot because we share the same values. Um, and so there's, dude, honestly, there's there's a good bit. But for the most part, we have this little founders chat that I, I really enjoy the people that are involved. Shout out Aiden from the Hearts. We got Mason from Alien Friends. Got a lot of good people in there. And like you said, there's there's still 10, 20 that are minting every day, like new projects, something like that. Yeah, probably more if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, so let's even assume more. How how many of these things are making it? I mean, you always hear everyone talk about Gary Vee saying like 99% of these projects are going to fail. I do agree that, honestly, yeah. most of them are going to. Um, but there's ones that are building real stuff. And those ones are going to make it. And especially the ones that are weathering the storm right now, because the space as a whole is very interesting What the market wants, what the community wants. It's, it's very interesting is the best way to put it. Um, but the ones that are head down building, you know, shout out the gutter cats too. Cause that's one, gutter cats. they kind of got me into the space ironically, bro. But, um, 
they, think they that got, was the one Mitch told a story about on here, I think. They got a lot of hate Appreciate in the beginning, and, yeah. but they've just been slow and steady growth, which is like, I respect the hell out of that. They just reached a 10th floor the other day and flipped the Cool Cats, which is a huge project. Like, But that's a good example of just ignore what everyone else is doing, stick to what you know and what you want to build, put your head down and do it, because over time, people are going to realize real products created by real people that bring real value. I'm trying to remember if it was the same one. Is, is, does Gutter Cats offer staking? Not yet. Okay. What do you think of that? Staking? Yeah. Honestly, it's it's very interesting, but I need to stay away right now just be, until we figure out what regulations look like. I know there's different mechanics and things that are potentially legal, but like I said, you never know what's going to happen, and the government's always looking to make an example of someone. Stake, but also, staking to me? This yeah. is what I really want your thought on. Staking to me looks a lot. I'm thinking from the form of a government looking to make a case on something they don't like. Looks a lot like a pyramid scheme. It's definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting. And I don't even know that much, I guess, from a technical standpoint about it. But like I said, I just need to be protective of the brand that we're building because at the end of the day, that's that's kind of why there's a big push for us to diversify revenue streams too with getting the merch line up and running, you know, to some of the toys that we're going to end up doing. Um, toys? Like vinyl figurines, like a Funko Pop almost. Hmm. Stuff like that. A little um, wide heat in here. Yeah. We have a deal with um, Time Studios to create an animated TV show. So, so you do have that deal? Yes. Maybe <laughs> I'm thinking of another one. I thought that was the one you weren't doing. Was there another one you were doing and then you were like, fuck that? I'm definitely thinking of another one. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So what's the story with time? Uh, so it's still in the early discovery phases. And obviously, anytime that you go to create a TV show, there is an opportunity that it never comes to fruition because you need to both agree on a script. You need to have the same storyline. And then obviously, it needs to get picked up. So if it never gets picked up, the show never gets created. So you're making a TV show? Yes. And what's it about? Uh, we're still working through the storyline and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily uh, fully fleshed out. It's going to be... It's going to be a long-term thing for sure. Like we might not see it until two or three years. And is why he designing all the characters within the show and the animation? It's going to be based on like the image and likeness of the smiles. Do you have a working name of the show? Or <laughs> No. Very early. And wow. can't talk about much right now. And what's, what's the story with Time? Aren't they... Didn't they get spun off? Time... So they're their own thing now? Or maybe I'm thinking of another... Time Studios got bought by Mark Bainoff, the founder of Salesforce. Mm. So I guess technically they're spun off. Yeah. All right. So deep pockets then over there. Tech, <laughs> tech mindset too. It's pretty interesting. It's it's going to be very cool to see what old school brands like names, so mm. to speak, really pivot hard and actually effectively over this next little, say, two to five year stretch right here. Effectively is a key word. Yeah. Cause like, and obviously I'm biased, but time's working with you guys. I know how you guys think about things. That's, that's smart, obviously, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm biased here, but, uh, I'm just excited. Keith has been awesome to work with so far. So I'm just excited to see what we end up creating. Cause it's, it's going to be different from, you know, what we've kind of seen operate in the space so far in terms of animations and stuff like that. So it's gonna be exciting. Are you in, Wahid, I mean, in my conversations with you guys, it seems this way heavy, but I'd just love to put on the record here and, and see what your thoughts are. Are are you guys pretty aligned at this point with the different 
vert i mean i'm using corporate speak but the different verticals you want to go after and like how you want to build this or is is he more pushing ideas and and you're making it work or like what's what's the workflow there the beautiful thing about the both of us is we just fucking brainstorm together like we just bounce ideas whether it's from an art standpoint uh next collection we could drop an event we host the next product we're going to come out with outside of nfts we're all just putting in ideas together and figuring out what sticks and then expanding on it from there. So it's just been, it's been exciting, man. Um, well, he's amazing. It's my boy. I just, we brainstorm very well together, but we also work very well together because I know my limitations, even from a creative standpoint. So I let him do his thing kind of lets me do my thing on the, on the business side. So it's just a beautiful relationship. What's the like next iteration of, what he wants to do because like everyone thinks about smiles as as the character because he's had even back to some of his early acts like when he did stuff that wasn't you know of kanye or of of Lil dirk and and young thug and stuff he was using his design of what then became the main character of the collection but like you know if you're talking about building this out into a brand does he have a lot of ideas about different iterations of designs and quote-unquote brand calling cards he can use to build this out to create your own you know supreme sticker type deal with smiles for sure and it expands even like outside of nfts or even fashion like he's so early in his artistic career he wants to get into creating physical art whether it be statues or stuff like that like why not that's also the most exciting part because who knows where he as an artist is going to end up at the same time but um from an nft standpoint you know we have a male character so it only makes sense that the next step is a female one. For sure. Yeah, I was wondering. I guess you guys are thinking about that right now then. Very much so. But also, like, the collection took us three months to launch. So Waheed's work does take time, and he's got to hone his craft on a female a little more. So I'm not saying it's going to be next week. I'm not saying it's going to be next month. There's going to be some time to be put in. But I think based on this collection and the quality that everyone's seen in the male character, they can expect that to be even better in the female. Yeah, I mean representation is is critical in any in any public project of anything these days and and for good reason. I think one of the things you guys have going for you though is that before getting to that this is truly something that people of all backgrounds can get around because it's such a, you know, the thing we've talked about ad nauseum today, it's such a culturally significant project. And I'm biased, but again, I I think much more so than than a board apes because it, it's it's a person. It's you know, it's a digital person. It's a digital recreation. His own imagination, but it's a person who has fashion and interests that align with heavy, heavy doses of all kinds of pop culture, and it creates like when you were talking about them making a show around you know some of the bored ape characters. I'll bet they'll do a great job with that. But like, I can already picture in my head twelve different ideas of shows <laughs> you could create around characters that directly fit the voice and image and idea of what people may imagine unknowingly in their head right now of what smiles represents if smiles was boom a person or like a figure or a a talking walking character in front of you well it's it's we're real at the end of the day yeah whether it's us as the founders us as the team you know we're always shooting you straight we're always being real you hop into a twitter spaces with us i don't have some fake persona he doesn't have a fake persona like the words that are coming out of my mouth is how you and i talk behind the scenes like I'll, we're all very straightforward and we speak from our minds and we're very transparent, um, which is, in my opinion, not happening enough in the space. Um, 
but that's just why people resonate with us because mm. even if it's a construction vest like i said that you wear in your nine to five or it's not and it's the skateboard and you've never skateboarded in your life but that's something you can attach to because that's in the real world it's always something you wanted to do you just never took it on so why not expand on that in the digital world and give yourself you know the opportunities that you never really had because that's kind of outside of wow. us being passionate about music culture sports which it correlates to our collection it's also things that some of us have never done before like Wahid. Uh, the, the character is essentially created around the skateboard flip, right? That's his Genesis piece. He's not a skateboarder. He always wanted to be one, but he's not. I didn't even know that, actually. So it's like our, our stuff is, we're real at the end of the day. It's so cool. Well, how are you doing? I mean, like, do you, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Like, you know, we're talk, we talked about the project a bunch today and a little bit about you, but like, have you pinched yourself yet? No, not at all. That's why well, he and I talked about it a lot recently. Honestly, we need to take a step back, kind of appreciate what's what's happened and what we know is going to happen in the future. It's just because shit moves so fast, and like we kind of talked about earlier, people want things. It's the attention economy. So it's like we drop one thing that's really dope to us, really exciting, something we never thought we'd be able to do. But then after, it's like, all right, what's next? What else can we deliver on? So we need to do a better job taking a step back, but like conversation with you like with people like this it's it's starting to kind of hit a little different uh, and make me realize kind of what we're doing but i'm just it's exciting to be doing things that i really care about at the end of the day and building something really cool really dope with dope people i mean it doesn't get better than the people you're surrounded with and actually genuinely fucking with them and, and and feeling like you're you're in a good space but Whenever I look at people who build success in anything in society that has attention on it, especially. So that's across all kinds of industries. Yep. One of the – it's technically one of the – but probably the most powerful barometer of measuring where you are as far as it being in a, in a, in a good – thought leadership position and, and clearly making it quote unquote versus where you were besides just money, mm. right? Which doesn't, it has scale to it. So it has different stories at different levels. It doesn't always tell the full story. The number one thing that in my opinion that I see is when it, when the shift happens from you making the phone call to receiving the phone call, you know, so for years you obviously had an insane network and dealt with some serious people and some very exciting things and we're close on a lot of stuff. And this is what we talked about last time, but the impetus was on you for outbound. Mm -hmm. It was on you to, you know, stick your fucking foot yep. in the door and like hold it there, you know? And now you're in a position where every day you get to decide. I got 30 legits in my inbox I have time to answer five, not to be a dick either, but like legitimately, sure. you know, to put your focus and give the correct attention, respect, respectful attention to people. You got to make decisions. And now it creates these opportunities to build upon the talents that exist within your company that, you know, it, it's different from when you're trying to get there. Very much so. But at the same time, it's also a lot more pressure because a lot of these deals and partners and companies that we speak with, 
they don't know anything about the space. So they're really relying on us to kind of curate a lot of this stuff. So it's, it's very exciting to, you know, get these calls and see some of these emails come in. Then on the same side of that, it's a lot of work and a lot of pressure because not only do I have to be conscious of our brand, now I have to be conscious of, of how it could impact theirs. But again, it's, it's, and I mean this in a good way, it's a good form of, of personal power to control your destiny you have because they're coming to you because they want to do it already. Right. They're asking you how. Hmm. It's not like, yeah, you know, maybe. You still get places like that for sure. But yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. like they're still reaching out to you and they're still like, oh, yeah, I don't get it. I'm not, I always picture like the old dude with the suspenders that still exists in some offices in certain industries. That's like, I don't understand this shit, but just that kid, he he fucking got it. Like, let's, let's get him in here. Tell us how to do it. Right. Like you're talking to those guys and they're like, you have our attention. That's yes. There's pressure that comes with anything to be great at it and to be a leader or, you know, carve out, carve out people's time to be devoted towards you and what you do in, in anything. There's going to be pressure, but you know, pressure makes diamonds. And, and that's also what, what actually gets you to the point, like even the point you are right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely, it's fun, man, for sure. But it's also like people watch how you move in the space. And I think they're, they're watching how we move, how we interact with the communities, how we engage and just how we approach things like it's never why you not say this every time we've turned down a lot of huge deals that honestly probably would have propelled our floor to say 10 15 eighth just because of the names that were involved but because they approach us being more conscious of their brand and their quote-unquote mm. community uh, we didn't want any parts of it because at the end of the day we wouldn't be here without our community so if they're not going to be willing to put take press have them be precedent over others I don't want to touch it because we need to be conscious of the people that got us to this point and continue to make sure that we're providing value directly to them. I don't care who the brand is. I don't care how big your name is. We got here because of how conscious we are of, of our community. We need to keep doing that. And that's the right way to run it. It's the moral way to run it. And it's, it's, it's a commendable thing. It's also something that you've earned with leverage to be able to say that, mm. right? Like if you're, when you're trying to get your foot in the door like that, sometimes you're in a situation where you're like, do we really got to say yes to this? You For know, sure. Turn but the lights on tomorrow. It's been situations where like, honestly, after, you know, after we minted, the floor obviously went up and then it, it settled down a little bit and people were pretty pissed. And that's when some of these big opportunities got put in front of us. We could have sold out. We could have bailed out and took the easy route and said, yeah, this will shoot the floor mm. up for 10 ETH. But then it also sets an unrealistic expectation because, okay, you shoot up to a 10 ETH floor overnight. Now you have to constantly deliver things of that value or you're right. going to crash and people are going to be like what the fuck's going on so i enjoyed kind of our process and how we're doing things right now i just think we're doing things the right way our heads down we're not getting influenced by drop this token do this do that like we know what we're doing we know what we're building towards well you also released the the blueprint the blueprint back in december great name by the way <laughs> really really good name there. But wh- how far along are you into that? And, and and are you, you know, there there's two different lanes of vision to look at important here. You're looking 90 to 180 days out, but then you're also looking at blueprint ideas of five years out. So how close are you to really looking at a grand scale, five-year broad plan to, to share with people? I think my biggest strength is I know what I know, but uh, more importantly, I know what I don't know. 
And I don't know what the space is going to look like in two, three years. Mm. I know what we're going to try to do, but ultimately we need to be ready to adapt on a dime if we need to. Fair. Yeah, it's, it's changing every day, man. Yep, especially right now. You know, the last, you asked me what the space was going to look like in September. I would have said you something, and now here we are, and it looks totally different than what I probably would have said. What do you think of the whole, like, where are we with the whole celebrities thing, which kind of started this whole thing? It seems to me like now, yeah, there are guys that put out a project, they're going to make money because they have a name brand. But sure. a, you talk about like that attention or the allocation of money being over a select group of people who are actively within the space so they get to decide where they're going to put it towards it seems to me like the vast majority of the money is going towards not celebrity back dumps it's going towards projects that have legitimate ideas or or have a vision to do something to actually build well so i think a lot of celebrities have seen what happened early on and kind of how reputations in the space got hurt a good bit by them coming in and just trying to do a cash grab at the end of the day. Um, so there's a lot from the celebrity standpoint, they're starting to be more of collectors and getting into these projects, mm -hmm. not necessarily dropping them, but even the ones that do they're, I think they're starting to talk to the right people that are getting them to understand how to enter a space like this. It's good to know. I mean, I think, uh, for right now, but I'm going to knock on wood after I say yeah, this. Yeah, we'll knock on wood on all that. You're still going to see. I mean, what did Ty Lopez well, do yeah, for like sure. a month ago? That one's very interesting. He even he even hopped on a podcast with, shout out Function. Function is also a smiles holder. Um, but he was very vocal about his opinions, and Ty Lopez invited him on his podcast to uh, kind of dig into things. I respect that. I respect the hell out of that, I respect honestly. the hell out of that. I got to go listen. I didn't see that. But yeah, like I see something like that project, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, you don't need to do that. You yeah. Know? It's a lot of ETH to watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's a video. He was to, I mean, I didn't look at all the things, but there's a video he's talking about. Like, I picked out, like, an old card that was lying around in my bookcase. You get that? <laughs> like, but, yo, like, it's also interesting because, like, influencers are reliant on their community to make money. That's, yeah. by definition, what an influencer is. So, in some capacity, can you hate? Because he's taking advantage of the audience that he built, but no. obviously I, I I I don't agree with a lot of it. But no, it just comes down to what what value are you really getting? For sure. Same way that we questioned Instagram influencers starting several years back, where you know they'd be selling like some fat loss product that they never used and and airbrushing all their pictures <laughs> to back <laughs> it up, and and behind the scenes it was shit, you know stuff like that. They they canceled themselves with that because then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be an influencer, it requires to get to that point, you develop trust. That's yep. how you build an audience. An audience that don't trust you ain't an audience. It's a fucking it's it's a it's a tomato gallery. <laughs> so, you know, I think NFTs can also reveal that is I yeah. think you're gonna see people do that. I'll 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 have to check out that podcast he did, but I don't know. When I see stuff like that, I'm like, come on, man. Like and again, I'm looking at it on the surface, but still. Yeah, but it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths, which in turn hurts the projects that are building something real yeah yeah well look you can only control what you can control exactly so stay in your own lane but listen man really really fucking impressive watching this thing quite literally since day zero <laughs> grow <laughs> literally kind of i've had i've had probably of anyone i would say the best front row seat just like <laughs> popcorn like 
what are we thinking? What are we doing? Not having to take any of the calls as far as like making decisions or doing anything, but it's been really cool to see you grow. I love Wahid. He's a fucking amazing guy. You guys are an incredible pairing, which that shit's hard to do in business. Find people that are yin and yang. You guys really have a great yin and yang there. We got to get him to like New York a little more. We'll work on him. Me but, too. You know, yeah, I got to work on you, but <laughs> you're kind of a lost cause. But uh, listen, man, great, great job. Thanks for coming in here to, to talk about it, you know, since the last one when it was all just about to start. It's it's a very cool thing. I appreciate every conversation we have, man. I love you. You've been a great friend. And likewise to you, you deserve the flowers for what you're doing here with uh, Trend of Fire. So much love. Thanks, brother. Well. We're, it's it's kind of cool. There's some shit happening in Jersey right now. We're cooking. The We're boys cooking. are buzzing. We're fucking cooking in Jersey. But we'll do it again. Thank you. And everyone, hey, where can they find Smiles? www.smileswith3s.com. Check us out on OpenSea, Smilesverse. Check us out on Twitter, at Smileswith3s. On the, on the end. 3s's on the end, right? Yes. I don't know if you said that, but I want to make sure. And Check then also, the you have the link to Discord on Twitter, right? Yes, link to Discord on Twitter, Instagram. Check us out. We're out here. Stay tuned for more to come out. Excellent. Well, that said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory. Give it a thought. Get back to me. Peace. Peace.